Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, everybody? Good evening. Merry Christmas Eve. Hope you guys have uh, enjoyed this uh, Sunday. It was uh, certainly a great day for football fans. Had a lot of fun games out there. If you're a Bears fan, which most of you guys are tuning into this show, uh, we are able to celebrate the fifth victory of the season against the Chicago, uh, excuse me, against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, it was the last game played at Soldier Field, and uh, the Bears were able to get away with a 20-3 to victory uh, for their fifth win of the season. And, uh, of course, making the – uh, Cleveland Browns now 0-15. Uh, you know, you, you think it's tough to be a Chicago Bears fan. Try being a Cleveland Browns fan, um, and then you'll feel a lot better when you put it that way. Um, of course, I am your host, Chris Shanafel. This is the debut show of the Chris and DJ show as uh, my co-host, a new co-host. Kind of the first time I'm doing this whole co-host thing, and I'm really looking forward to it as a good friend, DJ Moore, uh, former Chicago Bear, former Carolina Panther, former Tampa Bay Buck will be joining me uh, every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Central Time, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, DJ, how's it going? Oh, man, it's going all right, man. I'm excited to be on the show with you, talk some uh, talk some Bears football. I got to talk Bears football since, I, <laughs> since I've played, so I'm, I'm excited to uh, talk some Bears football. Well, let's get right into it, and uh, just to let everybody know, we will be starting off by talking Bears. Uh, of course, again, they, they defeated the Cleveland Browns 20-3, to but uh, this will not be a Chicago Bears-focused show yet. We will be talking a lot of Chicago Bears uh, while being on this show, but uh, we will be getting into all things NFL. Um, DJ, uh, I sent you a text uh, a couple minutes before we went live. Uh, of course, the uh, the 4 o'clock games are just now ending, and uh, Earl Thomas had some interesting things to say to the uh, Dallas Cowboys players and coaches after that game, after knocking the Dallas Cowboys out of uh, playoff contention. Um, so, again, th- we will be starting off uh, probably more times than not talking Chicago Bears or mentioning the Chicago Bears, but this is an all-around sports show. We're also going to get into some NBA later on tonight. But uh, let, let's get started right there uh, with a DJ. The Cleveland Browns came into Chicago, and, uh, you know, the, the first couple drives, you know, it looked like Cleveland, uh, you know, looked like they may have uh, had a little bit of a chance, but uh, after that it, it went all downhill from there, as it usually does for the Cleveland Browns, at least over the past uh, few years, maybe even decade, I guess you could say. I think I remember uh, – well, when Derek Anderson was uh, leading them under center was the last time they were uh, somewhat relevant, um, and that was years and years ago. Today, uh, Deshaun Kaiser versus uh, Mitch Trubisky, the matchup between the two uh, rookie quarterbacks, of course, the number one and number two overall picks as well in Miles Garrett and uh, Mitch Trubisky. It looked like Trubisky had uh, the, the better day today, although Miles Garrett did ball out. Um, you know, I guess we'll just start off with, uh, you know, the, the man of the hour, and that is Mitch Trubisky. Um, I'll start off by giving him my grade, then we'll go ahead and get yours, DJ. I'll give Mitch Trubisky a B-plus for this game. He didn't have to do anything too special, but uh, if you look at it, I think uh, this was the game where he was asked to do the most. Um, you know, he had a lot of success against Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago. Uh, did not have a lot of success at all last week against Detroit. Really struggled throwing those uh, three at excuse me, three interceptions, which was a season high, a career high for him in a single game. Uh, of course, he's very uh, young into his career, but, uh, 
you know, this, this was a, a pretty impressive game. If you're looking at him, again, the Bears didn't ask him to do too much. He didn't need to do too much, but uh, he was able to uh, help them drive down the field, not make a lot of flashy plays, but um, when he was asked to make plays on, on, the, on, his, uh, on the run, uh, he was able to do that, show his athleticism, actually tied with Jordan Howard in rush yards with 44. They, they were Cleveland did a good job at uh, stopping the run and stuffing Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen. They didn't have a lot of success in the backfield with the running backs, but uh, when Mitch Trubisky had the opportunities, he was able to kind of, uh, you know, uh, make, make uh, what, what is it, make lemonade out of the, the lemons that were given him, and uh, he, he was able to do some work on the ground, in the ground game, and, uh, you know, I, I thought, uh, hands down, he had the better game than, uh, you know, if you want to look at the two rookie quarterbacks, him or Deshaun Kaiser, um, I, I'll give Mitch Trubisky a B minus, and I thought this was kind of the most that we've seen from him when, when it came to kind of asking him to win a game. Again, the, the Bears defense played very well, and Kyle Fuller is the guy that I want to pick your brain on, DJ. But uh, looking at Mitch Trubisky, what would you give him for this game against the Cleveland Browns? Um, and, and just to start, I would give him, I would give him a B. Uh, Fourteen for twenty-three, one hundred ninety-three yards. Uh, like you said, seven rushes for forty-four yards. Wasn't asked to do much. But the difference between him and Kaza is, well, uh, he didn't turn the ball over. I mean, he didn't have any TD passes, but also he didn't have any turnovers. And as a rookie quarterback, if you're not turning the ball over, I think you have to have a B or an A. You know, and, and I would have gave him an A, but I think I think he got sacked about uh, five times. It, it just seems like even when the rush is coming to him, when he sees it and it's clear that he sees the rush, he <laughs> still is not. He, he still is not. Uh, developing, you know, the mindset to where, like, hey, I know where I need to go with the ball. I think he's taking unnecessary sacks. And going forward, he's going to have to, you know, change it up. Because you see with the, you know, experienced quarterback like the Dree, the Breeze or the Rodgers or the Bradys in the world, when the rush comes to them, you know, they convert that into play here or play there. They they don't get sacked very often. But Trubisky seems like, especially when you're young, his eyes and nose are wide open. It's like, okay, I'm going to just take this hit. Uh, and not do anything stupid with the ball. So, I mean, he's a young quarterback, and he has to develop. But, you know, I give him a B because he didn't, you know, turn the ball over. Yeah, and like you said, when when you're starting a rookie quarterback and, and you know, th- th- what we've seen from Deshaun Watson, who who unfortunately his season ended shortly, that that's out of – that's not that's not what you regularly see out of rookie quarterbacks. You know what you see is what what Deshaun Kaiser, what Mitch Trubisky, uh, you know Carson Wentz from last year, Jared Goff from last year. Nobody would have thought Jared Goff would have had the season he had this year when talking about him last year. Um, you know you're you're going to see the struggles out of these young guys, and, and you know you're absolutely right. I mean some of those hits he were taking. I mean uh, he took some big sacks, and then uh, again doing some work on the ground game. Uh, took some big hits there as well, and. You know, there's a little part of me that, that, you know, was just like, all right, man, let, let's, you know, when I seen him get up with, with a smile on his face, you know, that I had a, I had a sigh of relief. Of course, Chicago sports fans know all about injuries when, when it comes to football, basketball, hockey, whatever, you name it. Um, they, they know all about it. But uh, it, it was good to see him have, have some success. And, of course, like you said, the main thing, not turn the football over. Uh, and ultimately, that, that's really what won them the game was uh, the, the ability to not turn the ball over, 
you know, drive the ball down the field. And then, of course, your defense being able to lock down and defend. Sean Kaiser, two interceptions. One of those interceptions, uh, just, just a lob, right, straight to Kyle Fuller in the back of the end zone. It, it was actually looking like a really good drive for the Cleveland Browns offense. And Deshaun Kaiser, who I believe uh, before that interception completed about five or six passes in a row, they're really driving down on the Bears' defense. And then uh, he just lobs one up, gives Kyle Fuller an early Christmas present. And uh, uh, that, of course, being Kyle Fuller's second interception. Uh, you know, Kyle Fuller is an interesting an interesting player to touch on, DJ. I mean, this is a guy that was a former first-round draft pick. Besides his first, like, three, four games in the league, um, you know, it's kind of been a disappointment, especially when talking about a, a former first-round pick. Now, now, if this was a guy that you found in the fifth, sixth round, okay, then it looks like you you nailed it. But uh, this is a guy that we're talking about. They, they've spent a lot of money on they They've uh, – put a lot in him and of course uh, Phil Emery is uh, no longer here uh, part 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 of the reason of uh, 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 being because of, of some of the bad draft picks he had in the past with Kyle Fuller anyways he's had a stellar season he's really had a breakout season a lot of people actually thought that he may be getting uh, voted to the Pro Bowl uh, that did not happen but uh, really did ha- have a, se- a stellar season and of course that season doesn't end until uh, next week but he had an interception in this game second interception of the season I think he has like something like 15, 16 passes defended. I mean, he has been targeted uh, a lot, which is a, a little scary, but he's been making the, the most out of the plays when, when he is targeted. Um, play, playing some really good football this season. Now he has had a couple of games where you kind of scratch your head and, and go like, where was the guy from the week or, or two before? But, uh, you know, nonetheless, he, he's really turned out to have a nice season. Now here's the question, though. This is his contract year. They, they declined his fifth-year option. He's going to be a free agent this uh, this spring, do they re-sign him? I mean, has he has, has he proven himself enough where, where you want to go out and give him a three, four-year deal, or do you want to give him the, the franchise tag, which will give him about $15 million for just one season? Is he worthy of all that? Uh, I don't know about the franchise tag, uh, but he is, a, he is a good player. Um, and I think he had an injury history as well, which kind of will, will play into it when he goes into uh, free agency as well. But I think when you watch the game today and he's guarding a a premier receiver and he's holding his own, that's gonna that goes into your pocket in free agency. I got like when my agent goes out and talks to people, it's like, Hey, you see what he did against Josh Gordon, like one of the best young receivers, most one of the most physically gifted receivers, look what he look what he has done against him and he can take that in the free free agency. Everybody looks for cornerbacks everybody wants a decent cornerback I think he can play man he can play zone and like you said some games he's gonna get beat and that's everybody that's every DB um you're gonna get beat some games but um just come back next week and, and do the best you can do but I think this game right here is gonna be the game where his agent goes out and tells everybody listen look look what I did against this particular guy and and if you want me to stop guys uh, like this, you know, again, because everybody in every division have guys, Julio Jones and uh, Jordy Nelsons and um, Odell Beckhams and uh, all those guys. I mean, every team has that type of guy, and, and he has shown to say, hey, listen, I can do it. Now, is it consistent? Maybe not, but as long as you sh- like you've shown it before, it's just a timing thing. Uh, if you play really good during your contract year, well, congratulations. Uh, you may not play good ever again, but if you play good during the right time, uh, you get the cash in. 
especially if you're a quarterback. I mean, let, let's let's talk about Mike Glennon. I mean, here's the guy that uh, hasn't really proven much throughout his career. I mean, he, he's the reason why, or part of the reason why, the, the Buccaneers, uh, you know, were, were able to get Jameis Winston because of that that bad season that uh, Tampa Bay had, which allowed them to get the number one overall pick. And now here he is in Chicago, making a lot of money, making sixteen million dollars this season, DJ, by just holding a clipboard on the sideline, you know, uh, giving uh, Mitch Trubisky a, a uh, a tip or two. <laughs> well, well, this is what I would say about, especially with the quarterback position. And when you draft guys out of of college, what happens a lot of time is you draft a guy and say, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make him fit into my system. I'm gonna push this square peg into this round hole until I'm blue in the face." And a lot of teams do that. They get a guy and they say, "Well, you're gonna fit my system," instead of analyzing the guy, seeing what he does really well and saying, that, okay, let me make sure that my system is right for you, and if it's not, let me adjust to it. We've seen that with, you know, RG3, uh, Kellen Ka- Kaepernick when they first came in and switching up to the zone read when people are like, oh, you can't run the zone read or speed option and stuff like that in the NFL, and then you see it, you see it actually ran, and you see like the year that RG3 had or a couple years that Kaepernick had or even to a full uh, uh, extent Russell Wilson the same way, like, Teams are actually changing their style to fit the guys that they're drafting. That's why when you get the more athletic guys like a Trubisky or like a Carson Wentz that are coming out of college, they're having more success. The receivers are having, you know, more success. Uh, to go back on your point when you were talking about um, Deshaun Watson, his first couple of games when he played, he didn't look so good. The reason he didn't look so good the first couple of games is because they tried to put the square peg in the round hole. And then when they kind of loosened it up and let him spread it out and be himself, then he did good. Uh, right now with Trubisky, it's the same thing with the square peg. It's just like we're just holding you hostage right now. We'll let you throw a couple screen passes to Cunningham, and it'll make that 193 passing yard look really good. But really, you threw a couple screen passes, and it, and it, it kind of got out. We'll let you throw those short passes. We'll let you do the rollout, the real safe plays. Um, and until he develops as a quarterback, until somebody lets him develop as a quarterback, as a coach, you you really won't know what you got out of Trubisky was going to be just a mystery going into next year because it's just like you just don't know what you have because they haven't let him fully develop yet because they just babysitting him right now. And, and you know what? Should they be babysitting him? I mean, they, they look, this offense, I mean, it, it's it's atrocious. I mean, besides the running back situation, I mean, the offensive line is really beat up, and they got even more beat up today. Um, you know, the receivers, it's been the main topic of the offense all season long, even throughout the offseason and, and preseason, even when Cameron Meredith was healthy, even when Kevin White was healthy. He's yet to prove anything in a, in a Bears uniform, uh, in an NFL uniform at that. Um you know, should they should they continue to babysit him or, or next week? Should and you know, is it going to happen? Probably not at this point. Um, we've seen what uh, John Fox and Dow Loggins, et cetera. Um, you know what they've been able to do. Uh, uh, you know, the, the past what ten ten weeks, I'd say uh, Trubisky has been starting ten eleven games. Um, so, so realistically, no, it's probably not going to happen. But but is this a good thing that they're babysitting him? I, obviously, I, I absolutely think not. But uh, th- there is a lack of talent surrounding Trubisky. Um, does that go into it at all, the lack of talent, especially at wide receiver, that Trubisky is surrounded around? Well, I think in the NFL, I don't think it's a such thing as a lack of talent. You just don't know guys. And when you don't know them, you just say, oh, it's a lack of talent. 
Uh, but when you when you draft guys, assign free agents, when you put them in the right situation, it just it just makes more sense. Right now, you have guys who can run, who can jump, who can catch. It's, it's really simple. You see it in New England. They don't have the best, the simple. If you just singled old guys out and told them to run 40s or run routes one-on-one and, and do things or make moves on guys, they wouldn't be the guys at the top of the chart where you would just say, you know, I want you, I want you, I want you. Mm-hmm. It's just guys that pick them, he know what they do really good, and he utilizes them, uh, their talents, and say, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to use you. And like I said with other teams, they just seem not to do that. They seem not to adjust to – like what you have. Trubisky is a very talented quarterback. He can throw. He can run. He can do a lot of stuff. But when you watch the game, it's like, well, like what are, what are they doing? You know what I mean? So what happens is you have a quarter. I mean, you have a coach that's a defensive coach. And I talked about on your show, I think it was last week, when you have a defensive coach, he wants to play defense. He don't care if he wants to do offense. The difference is like Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly says all the time, they'll go for it on fourth and one, no matter what. And the defensive coach, let's punt it so we can play defense. And what we need in Chicago, I think, is, especially for this young quarterback, is an offensive-minded coach that's going to say, hey, let's go for it on fourth down. Let's let's spread it out. Let's see what we can do. Because if you throw the ball, you either get a pass interference or a holding call or you're a kid. Like the, the odds are in your favor to put the ball in the air and they're going to call everything on the defense. And I, I need for us to put that quarterback in a situation that says, hey, man, it's beneficial. Because at, at this particular time, the same questions we had about him going into the season, you're going to have about him going into next season. Which for me, if you're a coach, you didn't do your job because I wanted the questions to be answered. But now you're just going to be like, okay, hopefully he turns out like Jerry Goff or Carson Wentz where you struggle and then you just you explode, but you just really don't know. Because if he doesn't do it next year, what's going to happen? Oh, well, he's a bust or we're going to need another quarterback. It's going to be that whole cycle all over again. And now it's just a off season. It's just going to be a whole other mystery. Yeah, you're, you're, hey, you're absolutely right. You can't, can't argue with you. And, uh, you know, you bring up a great point. Now, now of course, I, you know, Mitch Trubisky's no Tom Brady. Not even – I don't think neither you or I but are, are even going to begin to say but that. But Izzy, how I, do I you don't... know what he is? <laughs> like, Izzy, like he could be, but you don't know. I mean, this, this is all a mystery, man. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. You're right. I, hey, I'll tell you what, and I know we're, our, we're talking about, you know, the, the number three, number four receiver, whatever – why the hell Josh Bellamy still on the squad and Deontay Thompson isn't while he's balling out in uh, Buffalo? I, I have no idea. Uh, Josh Bellamy, let's get him a new pair of gloves or, or something. Um, although he, he did lead the team at, 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 when it comes to receivers uh, in, in yardage. But uh, not not a huge Josh Bellamy guy, although hats off to him on special teams. Great great special teamer. Let, let's just keep Bellamy over there, please. Uh, anyways, uh, you know, l- looking at the, the uh, other team, though, in, in this one, though, uh, DJ, the Cleveland Browns 0-15. Hugh Jackson is a 1-29 since becoming the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. They recently just hired a new general manager and John Dorsey, who has had a lot of success with the Kansas City Chiefs roster, is uh, the reason why uh, you know they, they got uh, wide receiver Tyreek Hill, who has uh, become one of the uh, young NFL stars. Travis Kelsey, one of the better tight ends in the NFL. 
Um, a lot of talent on that Kansas City Chiefs team, obviously. And now he comes over to Cleveland, uh, looks to turn around this team. But uh, there, there were reports coming out this morning that the Browns' uh, owner, Jimmy Haslam, has come out and said that Hugh Jackson isn't going anywhere. Um, as a former player, I have to know, um, you know, regardless of what your relationship may be with a coach, um, when you guys just aren't winning it, and, yeah, I know it, it, a lot is on the players as well, but, I mean, this this, this isn't – I mean, I, I've seen on Twitter Jeff Risen, he, he uh, covers the Detroit Lions. He now covers the uh, Cleveland Browns. So he, he actually covered the Detroit Lions team that went 0-16. Um, what was that, 2007? Um, and, and now he, of course, covers this, uh, this Cleveland Browns team. God bless them, 0-15. Uh, and, and he said this team will blow that Detroit Lions team out of the water, that there is some talent in, uh, on this team. And, and I totally agree with him. Um, so, uh, again, I know some of it falls on the players, but the coaches have to uh, take a fall as well. Um, as a former player, I mean, what, how would you react to hearing – and I know that the, the owner could just be speaking out of his ass right now, but uh, how, how would you react to hearing – the owner saying Hugh Jackson isn't going anywhere after going one and 29 his uh, first couple of years as head coach. Well, if I was a player for the Browns, I'll be ecstatic because um, if the coach knows me, I'm probably on the team again. I'll probably get another check. Um, but I think it, it makes sense. Um, it's hard. And I don't think people realize how hard it is to coach. And we talked about Chicago probably needing a new coach. I mean, it's, it's no disrespect to the coach. It's just, you just want, sometimes you want to see a different system um, but for Hugh Jackson, you only been there two years. Um, you have, you know, you have a quarterback come in who's no good, or you have a draft pick that's good. And even though I think Kaiser has all the, the right stuff, um, he just at times he's turnover prone like any other rookie, like Peyton Manning was, like all like um, Troy Aikman was, like a lot of other quarterbacks. But in this day and age, you don't get the time to develop guys because you have. So much social media, so much news to saying that this guy's a bust. It's, it's so much pressure on, you know, the owners and the coaches to win right away because it's just so much news coming out. Like, like other teams are doing this, why you're not doing this? Um, but it takes time. Um, I think you see that you see it in Jacksonville. It took time. Um, I think even if the coach would have stayed, um, they would have been fine because they were over time they developed. An identity. They developed a new defense. They signed free agents. They drafted some guys um, that worked out. They drafted the running back from LSU. Um, the quarterback is starting to come along, and the attitude, the attitude, you know, starts to change. I don't think people realize, you know, the town. There was a town where the Browns were were really good. You know what I mean? That's been a long, a little while ago. Um, but it's just an attitude. That may have been before my like, time, DJ. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. So, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's just a mentality thing. Think about it. Last right, right. year the Giants were in the playoffs. This year they won like one or two games. You know what I mean? Last year the Cowboys were in the playoffs. They just lost. They'll probably be out. Um, I think the Falcons got to win to get in. Like it's in football, man. It changes every single year. And I think that's why the NFL is so exciting because every single year. Bar in the past, there's always, you know, excitement about, you know, new teams and new player developing. You got Josh uh, Gordon who came back, finally came back and got his thing on straight. So if you stick with the coach, stick with the the quarterback, I think you can develop into something. But if you don't, what's going to happen is you're going to have a new quarterback with a new system doing new stuff all over again, and eventually you may hit the jackpot. But for most times when you see that power ball 
you see that five hundred million dollars, uh, Chris, you probably not the one that's hitting it. So it's just like a, <laughs> as a crapshoot sometimes. So you got to just you know let 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 uh, coaches and their schemes and let the players develop in that system, and, and then you you you'll probably get results. But in the NFL. You know, they want to see it now because they've seen somebody else do it before. They're, like the Eagles, they seem like, oh, okay, it was bad, though, then it was good. You'll see a Chip Kelly come in real quick and it'll be good, then it'll be bad. So um, if you take any notes, you probably take it from, I would say, the Saints. You know, Sean Payton, they just pretty much, he was struggling, struggling, struggling. And all of a sudden, this year, they look like a team that, to be reckoned with. But the years before this, it was like the Saints, you playing them, you can check for a win. When I was playing, it was like, oh, man, you – May or may not win, so it's you got to let them develop. And I get what what he's saying though, because uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on with the organization, not just the coach, but just from top to bottom. And you know, I think it just makes sense. Absolutely, I will say I will be surprised though. It, it may make sense, DJ. I will be surprised if Hugh Jackson is retained though, because I can't believe John Dorsey would sign up for that. Now I may be wrong. We we don't know. We'll find out probably uh, would, come next about, Monday. Who would he get? Though? Like, who would it be? If Hugh Jackson is gone, not only who would it be, but who would want to, at this point, coach the Browns? Because it's not just the coach. It's like your whole organization has been been in turmoil, yeah. you know, from top to bottom. Like, so who would want to coach the Browns? Because it seems that quarterbacks are trying to go back to school to say, I don't even want millions of dollars to play for you. I'm going back to school. So who, if, he, if it wasn't Hugh Jackson, then who would it be? Well, I'll say, uh, and of course, being in Chicago, the, the connection comes up right away. Look at the Chicago Cubs. I mean, they were down for hundreds, a hundred years, and uh, you know, then of course, Joe Madden takes over, and, and two years into his coaching uh, with the Cubs, and of course, they have a lot of young talent, uh, young prospects waiting and waiting, and they come up and they uh, begin to have a lot of success. They actually, won a lot sooner than a lot of people thought, and uh, he was able to win that champion. Now, Joe Madden's a, a Chicago legend forever and ever. Um, what were they you last know, somebody year? did they win uh, last year? year? Yes. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> they did, and that's that's my whole point. Is no. like it's not gonna happen like that every year. And baseball is a different sport because you can get a pitcher who gets hot. Um, you can get some hitters who got hot. I forgot the young guy's name. Um, he had got hot last year, was hitting everything, and then this year he kind of flailed off a little bit. You know what I mean? Or oh, you have a quick free agency. Like in baseball, it's just different. You can have maybe two pitchers and a closer who can dominate a series. But it's just, in football, man, you need every single person on that field because it's just not the coach. You can bring in a legendary coach, but, man, listen, if you don't have everything, every every piece of that puzzle put together, man, that puzzle ain't going to be finished. Yes, but – and this will this will be the last – uh, last argument I have with the Browns is uh, the, the Browns' future. You know, the the reason why I I made that connection with the Cubs because the Browns' future I think is very bright. Like I said, I, I agree with who I mentioned earlier. Jeff Risen used to cover the Lions, now covers the Browns, and saying that this team has a lot of talent. Of course, you know Josh um, Josh Gordon at receiver. If he could stay uh, clean, then, then he's good to go. He's already proven he, he's back at it and ready to ball out. Um, they have some nice talent on that defensive line. I like it a lot. Um, starting with Danny Shelton, uh, Carl Nassib, and, of course, the the number one overall pick, Miles Garrett. And, and their future is really bright. I mean, I think next year and uh, e- even the year after that in 2019, it's looking like that the Browns will be right on top uh, for the most cap space. So they're going to be able to hit free agency hard. And 
They're going to be able to get a lot of young talent as well. As of right now, they own two first-round picks in the 2018 NFL draft, uh, three second-round picks, and then uh, two four, two fives, and two sixes. So they're going, to, they're going to be able to stockpile on a lot of young talent and, of course, bring in John Dorsey, who, again, has had a lot of success building a team in Kansas City. Um, and, of course, he comes from the Green Bay Packers uh, tree of, uh, of front office employees. Uh, there that that's worked under Ted Thompson that has had a lot of success in Green Bay. Um, that that's a lot of that, that that's a lot of draft picks and money to play with to kind of uh, create a new team. Now whether or not Hugh Jackson will be there, um, time will tell. Probably on Monday, what they call uh, Black Monday in the NFL, the day after the uh, the, the regular season ends. Um, and, and you know what? I, I seen a report earlier. I, I wish I could remember who uh, tweeted it out, but uh, they, they're saying that this could be. I think it was Jake Glazer. He said it on Fox Sports and uh, tweeted it out as well that uh, you know the, next Monday, a week from tomorrow, could be a very busy day uh, for the NFL, and, and up to 11 to 13 new head coaching gigs could uh, be available. DJ, and let's transition and talk about. Uh, some of the guys that are on the hot seat. And, and I'll start off with this one that it's kind of uh, a newer name that's, that, that's uh, been thrown out there, but uh, I, I think it, it has to at least be looked more into, and that's Dirk Cutter, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and, and, of course, the one name, the hottest name for the past uh, handful of years is John Gruden. It looks like uh, reports have it that John Gruden – is uh, eyeing that job and obviously a, a very, uh, very disappointing season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A lot of people thought that this was going to be the year where they could, uh, you know, make a push in the playoffs. Here they are, only four wins this season. Um, Jameis Winston, uh, he's been dealing with a lot of injuries, a very disappointing season out of him. Um, but Dirk Cutter, uh, it looks like, and and it looks like that that relationship between uh, an offensive guy like Dirk Cutter and, and Jameis Winston, the the young franchise quarterback, it looks like that 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 uh that that relationship isn't as good as it once was. It's kind of been uh, beat a, a little bit, but uh, it looks like that could be an opening uh, we could hear about come Black Monday. I, I think that'll certainly be one of the top jobs uh, available. And then of course there's a. Uh, some rumors that Bill O'Brien may be out of Houston. I, I would be really surprised about that, especially with the success that Deshaun Watson had early on before he got hurt. Um, and, and, of course, uh, uh, making it to the playoffs with, uh, you know, quarterbacks that nobody could name, uh, such as uh, – here, here I go and name them, of course uh, – Tom Savage and uh, – uh, who was it a couple years back? Uh, his name's slipping me. Uh, I think even Brandon Whedon made made a, a couple snaps in a playoff game for them. Anyways, um, you know, some some really – Really uh, interesting names out there that could be on the NFL hot seat. Even names like a Jason Garrett, who was on top of the world last year with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, earlier today, the Seattle Seahawks officially knocked them out of the uh, playoff contention. Um, you know, is, is there a name that really sticks out to you, DJ? I mean, uh, is there a name that entering this season and, and you know, 15 weeks later, you, you just can't believe, uh, you know, they, they've had the season that they've had and that now they're uh, on the hot seat? Oh uh, yeah, well I mean we just throw it now. I think Marvin Lewis did get let go, correct? Uh he not yet, but it all signs are pointing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. That one that one right there is just like, I think he's been there since what, two thousand three, oh and seven in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, to be on a to have a team that has, you know, like a franchise quarterback, receivers and 
running backs and a really good defense. And to not get it done, I think his his time is just is just his time in Cincinnati is just ran his course. I think he's a good coach, but it's just time. Uh, when you talked about uh, Kirk Cutter, he is. I think he and Winston have just been overrated. I mean, a lot of people just love Winston because he has the attitude of, "Hey, man, he's a winning quarterback. I, I can hear what he's saying." And look, look at hey, him. he he's eats a W's, leader. man. He eats W's. <laughs> Yeah, man, but to be honest, it just they just wasn't, you know, a good team to begin with. And on top of that, you in a division that every year you just never know what you're going to get out of those teams. You don't know what you're going to get out of Atlanta sometimes. You don't know what you're going to get out of Carolina. Last year you don't make the playoffs. This year you do make it. Um, the Saints are the same way. It's like all of a sudden they came up out of nowhere. I mean, literally that division was a tougher division in football. And for Kirk Carter and the Bucks, they just was in an unfortunate situation. And no matter who the coach is that go there, they're going to have to deal with a Saints team that has improved on defense who's always had a good offense. A Panthers team that's really good on defense, and then you got Cam Newton as a quarterback and on offense. And they ain't no telling if he's hot or if he's cold. They're really good. Um, so, I mean, you have to deal with – really good teams on a day-in and day-out basis. And it's just, especially with Cutter, it's going to be hard. I don't know if the Jay Gruden thing is – I'm not Jay Gruden, but uh, John Gruden thing is is true or not. But um, it may take a guy like him to come in and tell him because he, he's going to have to change the attitude and everything. I mean, I love to see him when he does Monday night games and he just has the energy. You can tell, like, he would kind of infuse that into – you know, a team. Um, I think another one that I think look back is at Jay Group and and uh, the, with the Redskins because it's just every year they're kind of right around five hundred or, or somewhere around there, and it's they, he just not getting it done. Uh, and I think what's gonna happen is Kirk Cousins is gonna go somewhere, and then they're gonna really kind of fall off um, once he leaves if they can't find a quarterback. So I think. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Jay Gruden was just out with the Redskins because I mean it just, I mean it just really just been you know mediocre since he's you know since he's been there. Yeah, that that's an interesting name, and he's another guy that was brought in to uh, you know work with that offense. And, and yeah, you know the offense has had some success. The defense has not been good at all. A little bit better this year than they were in years years past. But uh, you know Jay Gruden obviously had a lot of success as the uh, Bengals offensive coordinator years ago got the Washington job, and, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins, yeah, he, he's been playing great. Like you said, somebody's bound to pay for him. But uh, how about the the, the, the flunker of a season that uh, Terrell Pryor has had at, at wide receiver, the big free agent signing for then? Um, you know, some, some dis- I mean, Jamison Crowder was a great rookie a year ago. Where's he been at? Although he got to give him credit, he, he did do did look good today, um, Jamison Crowder did. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's – I think that's an interesting name. I think Jay Gruden, I think you could absolutely be right. I don't think that's a name that a lot of people are really circling in on just yet, but I think he is a name that, that you got to question, should he be the team's head coach next season? And there's going to be a lot of talk about that. And, of course, uh, like I said, there's there, there, it looks like there might be a lot of job openings coming up soon in the NFL. And, uh, yeah, definitely got to keep an eye out on the uh, Washington one. The the Tampa Bay one will be funny if they do decide it. If they can somehow talk John Gruden out of the the booth 
uh, of Monday Night Football because uh, what, what was that? I think it was just last week he was inducted to the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, Ring of Honor. They, they have a statue when you walk into their facility, I was told, and you would obviously know this, I'm sure, DJ, uh, spending some time with the Tampa Bay Bucks. They have a statue of John Gruden uh, somewhere in that facility. Now, what happens if they do hire him back and he just, just – does awful. Does awful. I mean, do, do they have to take the Ring of Honor back? Do they have to take down oh, that, man, that no, statue? Man, you, I mean. can't, uh, <laughs> you can't. You can't erase history, man. Like once your name's up there, you've done what you've done, uh, man. I mean, he he brought them, you know, to the place they wanted to be. You know, won the Super Bowl. So if he was a comeback, even if he was a struggle, I mean, nobody would be surprised if he struggled or if he did good because it is the NFL. I um, mean, it's not just you. You have to get talent. You have to draft guys. This is not college where you can be Nick Saban and just go out and get every five-star player you can and then go and be the big bully on the block. It's different. Like, everybody is equal, and then you also got to just be lucky sometimes to find guys like a Tahil and things like that. But I, And I think another team we left out was probably the Colts, Bagano. And I know it was a whole oh, thing yeah. like a couple years ago, and that owner – does a lot of different stuff with the coach, which was like I thought I thought they was going to fire him at one point, and then they gave him an extension. But I think it's something going on with that whole Bagano situation where I think it's just time to – it's just time to kind of move on. I know – and that would be a, probably a good a position to be in for somebody who's coming in if you have, you know, Andrew Luck, who's going to be probably healthy next year. Um, but that Bagano one I think is one that I think we should look at as well. Yeah, and you know it, that that's almost uh, it's almost looking like a guarantee, kind of like Marvin Lewis that uh, Chuck Pagano will be gone at the end of the season, and uh, you know that that's an interesting one because Andrew Luck, obviously, whoever's going to be in, uh, whoever they do bring in, if Pagano is indeed let go. Andrew Luck will be the first question they ask about how is he, how's he doing, how's his shoulder, will he be ready to play this season? And I don't even think those are uh, questions that you could give a a for sure answer, a definitive answer on uh, even just yet. Of course, he's missed this entire season. Um, He's been shaking up quite a bit, and I think that's going to be the very first question that's asked. And, uh, you know, they could could lose on on some candidates, I got to think, if if they're not sold on Andrew Luck's – Shoulder. Well, I think I think he's fine now. Um, I think that's why he's sitting out the rest of the season. Just to, so if you it, it's going to be so attractive to whatever coach you know wants the job. Um, and I think if he goes, I think the perfect candidate, honestly, would be um, Harbaugh over at Michigan. If they can get him away from Michigan and get him back, because I think he coached Andrew Luck at some point at Stanford, correct? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so I think, and he is an awesome coach. Wherever he goes, man, like he is one of those guys that infuses like his energy into the team. I um, mean, when you get that energy into the team, and he's he's made Alex Smith look good, Kaepernick look good, and I think he would do wonders with Andrew Luck, who already looks good. And whenever Andrew Luck was healthy, man, that division, you know, with them and the Texans, like he was, the, they were the team that were owning it. You know, and since he's been injured, you know, other teams have stepped up. But with a healthy Andrew Luck, man, that's a to me, I think that's an easy path to the playoffs for you know for a pretty decent coach. Yeah, absolutely. Then of course they have uh, uh, T. Y. Hilton already there, and uh, who knows when Frank Gore is going to call it a good running the rock up for for the Indianapolis now. Um, and uh, let, let me know what you think about this. Uh, Dave Tobe, the former special teams 
coordinator here in Chicago, had a lot of success here, obviously, um, now, now doing big things with the special teams in uh, Kansas City. Uh, Benjamin Albright, who does radio over in uh, Denver, Colorado, he, he breaks some uh, NFL news here and there as well, uh, is reported two teams have shown interest already in, uh, in Dave Tobin, and that's, of course, the Chicago Bears and the Indianapolis Colts. Just, just overall, and we kind of talked a little bit about this last week when I had you on the show, DJ, and that is Dave Tobe as a head coach, could he succeed at it? We've seen some special teams coordinators have some success uh, and get more of an opportunity at the head coach role. Uh, first one coming off my mind is John Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, the brother of Jim Harbaugh, who's, of course, the head coach of the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Um, I don't know. You know, it, it, it's hard to kind of analyze because when you look at Toe, you look at all he's done with special teams. Like, you almost put him in a box. It's like when I played, I was a nickelback. You didn't want to put me anywhere else. You didn't want to say I was a linebacker or safety or corner. Like, I was in my own box. And right now I think Toe was in his own box, and it's going to take, you know, a team to kind of show some interest in him and say, hey, listen, I think he can be a head coach. I think when a couple of teams and they start to build up and people start to kind of fight over you, it, it – it helps him and it works in his favor. Um, I think he's he's a, he's a great coach, man. Um, and I think his his key to detail is what gonna make him a successful coach. He's just gonna have to be somebody's idea, really, to just give him a chance. Um, because as a head coach, I think especially dealing with the special teams, I'm sure he'll still do the special teams thing, but he will be more of an overseer. Because I'm, I'm sure he knows the game of football, but he would just kind of oversee everything, kind of like Harbaugh does in Baltimore where, you know, he, he's going to be the guy that comes to handle the timeouts. I'm going to let you do what you got to do. Now, if I need to step in, I step in. But most part, i let you do your thing, and you know, and I'll do mine. And uh, so I think Toll would be fine. Uh, but it's just going to be up to somebody having to really take a leap of faith and say, okay, is he just a first team coach or is he a head football coach? Right, and I think, like you said, he not necessarily take a take a a back seat, but he, he'll have to hire some, uh, some some pretty well respected offensive and defensive coordinators and let them do their thing as well. And uh, yeah, I think, like you said, I mean, it, it's going to have to be some some type of uh, situation where maybe a general manager wants to make some type of statement. We've seen that here in Chicago. Phil Emery goes outside of the box, hires a CFL coach, Mark Tressman. We know how that worked out. Hopefully this uh, go, goes better than that, though, with Dave Tobe. I do think uh, it, it, it is uh, years in the making. He's obviously proven himself as a special teams coach, and it, it would be interesting and fun to see him get get an opportunity as a head coach. Again, uh, John Harbaugh, you, you're not going to make that connection. Uh, you don't want to make that connection every single time because for every John Harbaugh there is, there, there's another special teams coordinator out there that – probably has gotten an opportunity and didn't have a Super Bowl ring under his belt and the success that John Harbaugh has had. Um, so, you know, Dave, Dave Tobit is one of the very uh, few names out there. Of course, uh, Filippo of uh, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, the offense coordinator there in Philadelphia. He's a name, a hot name that's out there. Um, the, the Chiefs offensive coordinator as well. Um, and speaking of the Eagles, the Chiefs, you know, all these teams that have these, uh, you know, hot offensive coordinator uh, names and uh, basically just coordinator names in general, um, you know, one thing that they have in common is they're all going to be in the playoffs. You're not going to go look for a coordinator that's uh, not, not, not leading a, a winning team or having a lot of success nope. at that uh, certain spot. 
But uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the NFL playoff picture, uh, DJ. Um, the New England Patriots, they clinched a first week bye with the Jaguars' loss to the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers uh, defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars 44-33. to Fun fact, that's the very first time an NFL game ended with that score, uh, 44-33. to um, Why do I know that? The broadcast showed that, but uh, – who who would have known that? <laughs> Good job, um, anyways, notes. <laughs> oh, you like that? You like that, huh? <laughs> no, you but take uh, notes when you can take notes, man. Hey, you got it, you got it. But uh, so so this is going to be the very first year in, in, in a long time that the Jacksonville Jaguars will appear in the NFL playoffs, and um, this has been one of the more for, uh, fun teams to, to watch and uh, cover this season because, uh, you know, they have a lot of young guys stepping up. Leonard Fournette, he's missed a couple games this season, but while he's playing, he, he's made a big impact on that offense. It's a reason why Blake Bortles has had the uh, success he's had, especially as of late, is because of that running game. But also I have to give Blake Bortles credit as well because he's been playing some outstanding football lately as well within the past four or five weeks. Some some uh, un, uh, undrafted wide receivers are making some big plays for them as well. Keelan Cole, a former NAIA standout from Kentucky Wesleyan, a nice big-bodied wide receiver, has been making a lot of plays for them uh, lately with the injuries to their receivers, Allen Hearns and Allen Robinson, the Allen brothers. Um, and then, of course, that defense. I mean, one of the top defenses in the league. They were able to acquire Calais Campbell from the uh, Arizona Cardinals in free agency. He actually almost signed with the Denver uh, Broncos. There's like a little Sports Illustrated video on it that, that kind of chronicled his uh, NFL free agency frenzy. And uh, it came down to the very last second, and I think he's very happy that he chose the Jacksonville Jaguars over his hometown Denver Broncos. Um, anyways, uh, I mean, then you got the Kansas City Chiefs. They're making it to the playoffs after the hot start that they had to the season. And they, they had quite the fall off as well. I believe they started the season 5 or 6-0, and oh, and then they uh, were at some point 6-5, uh, and five, uh, you know, winning one of their last uh, – only one of their last six games at, at one point. Um, you know, the NFL, uh, the, the matchups are, are starting to, to gather together. Um, and uh, obviously the, the one team I have highlighted is the Jacksonville Jaguars, not necessarily because I think this is their year and they're going to go all the way and win it all. I don't think that at all. Of course, uh, my, my favorite is probably still New England. I, I haven't even really put too much thought into it just yet. Um, but j- just to follow a young team like Jacksonville and see the success that they've had and, and you know, you could say it's a year or two too late because of the, uh, the, 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 the free agent acquisitions they've signed in the past, but it's all starting to come together now with the young talent, with the free agents that they've added. And uh, this is a really fun team to watch, and I'm excited to see what they can do uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, and talking about, like, the players that they did sign, it, it took some time. It took time to, you know, change up their attitude, and, and I think Gilles Campbell was talking about, you know, changing the attitude, and all it takes is a couple of players and kind of figuring it out. Uh, I think Blake Portals is kind of figuring it out, uh, and sometimes the offensive coordinator makes sure he figures it out by not letting him throw the ball. Um, you have the formula, you got to, you know, run it back. Even when he was out, they would do well, like hand the ball off and play good defense. If you can hand the ball off and play good defense in this league, you're going to be really good. And that defense is really, really good. And I think they have the formula to maybe even go to a New England and win because in the cold weather, what you got to do, you got to play defense and be able to run the ball. Uh, Blake Porter is big enough to to make a throw here and there, and that's all you probably need in the playoffs. But 
You know, whatever you go, make sure you bring your defense with you. During the year, you can score 100 points a game, but in the playoffs, what do you need? You need defense. You need to run the ball, and I think they have the firm lift for that. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see them, you know, in the play. I think they were a surprise to many people uh, going to this year and playing as well as they played. Um, but like I said again, man, when you have the formula, man, you can uh, you can make a lot of uh, you can bake a lot of cakes, man. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. <laughs> you kidding had me? Had to do it. Had to do it. Yeah, now, man. <laughs> Hey like, man, it's so crazy how fast the, the, uh, the you NFL regular that, season goes. <laughs> you was waiting on that. How long have you been waiting on that, man? I'm not serious, but how you long have you been waiting on that? You had to be sitting on that for like forty minutes, man. Like there's no way. I'm sitting like what Oh my goodness. Oh man, you've been sitting on that. I'm I'm happy for you. And that made you feel good. I know it did, man. I'm happy for you. Hey, man. you know it. You know you hey you can't you know what? You know what? Playoffs Don't talk about playoffs. Are you kidding me? Playoffs. But uh you know, speaking of the playoffs, DJ and while I say Jacksonville is gonna be the team that I'm gonna keep an eye on probably the most, um certainly in the ASC, I'll say that that I'm probably the, the most excited about watching the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, looking at the NFC, it's a team that you mentioned, and that's the New Orleans Saints, man. I mean, this is a team that, uh, you know, they start, they got off to a little bit of a slow start beginning of the season, 0-2. People were already calling for Sean Payton's job. They were saying, Let, let's rebuild this thing. Maybe Drew Brees doesn't have it anymore. And, and I'm not saying uh, Adrian Peterson was the problem because uh, he, I, I, I just can't believe that, you know, you're, you're not going to get rid of one guy and have instant success the way that they – have had so I believe that they would still have similar success even if Adrian Peterson was still on that roster but um, what they've been able to do since they've released Adrian Peterson has been uh, really really outstanding it's been really uh, interesting to see especially with the running back situation in Alvin Kamara the rookie uh, third round pick that they drafted who's might might just be the uh, offensive rookie of the year and then of course they still have Mark Ingram um, you know, and you, you hear it from network to network, network, and I'll say it here on tonight's show, DJ, um, th- this is kind of reminding me of the Super Bowl winning New Orleans Saints from, uh, what was it, 2008, 2009, uh, when they went all the way and they had these pieces like a Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles, uh, Mar- Marquise Colson at wide receiver. They have Mike Williams, who um, is really just, just a fantastic wide receiver and, and uh you know, how he fell to the second round a couple of years ago, I have no idea. Um, I think uh, the, the NFL Draft Bible.com, which is another website I contribute for, they had him as a first-round pick, and, uh, you know, that, that's certainly looking like the right decision there. The Saints, though, were able to get him in the second round. Um, they, they, a lot of this young talent. And then, of course, uh, you want to talk on, on the defense side of the ball, Marcus Lattimore, who had an insane uh, interception today. It was quite the play has been balling out. They probably have the defensive player of the year right there with Marcus Lattimore. It could be the first time in, I believe, over uh, 50 years uh, where one team has both the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. And, uh, you know, it's it's certainly a big reason why the Saints are having a lot of success that they've had. Yeah, and I think since Bounty Gate, was, I think, was it, was it Greg Williams? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brown's defense is <laughs> that whole situation, they haven't played any defense. Like, ever since no. that came out, because before that came out, it was, man, they, they defense, they looked like they were everywhere on every play. They was opportunistic. They would get turnovers. They would do different things. And then all of a sudden that comes out, 
and then they don't have defense. They searched and searched for it and went to uh, one of the Ryan brothers and tried to get him to come, and it just didn't work out. Uh, whatever they did on defense, it didn't work out. Drew Brees every year would throw for 5,000 yards, it seemed like, and their offense would be clicking, but on defense they didn't figure it out. Now on defense, what has happened is they figured it out, and what they get, like you said, a lot of more. When he come in, he's like, oh, my goodness, he is impressive. Um, and if you get a cornerback that play plays that well, it changes the defense, you know, for everybody. When you got safeties and linebackers and D linemen playing well. So it's the offense has always been there. Sean Payton stamp has always been on this team, but he's been arguing arguing and feuding with defensive coordinators and now he finally got a defense and now you see, you know, the Saints of old. Um, and they're a very dangerous team, along with them and along with, to me, my dangerous team probably be the Panthers, man. Whenever you get Cam Newton behind quarter, behind the center quarterback and you got Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis on the other side, man, it's, that's going to be the NFC is going to be uh, a very interesting uh, to see once the playoffs kick off. And I got to make a correction. Of course, I have a, a tweeter coming at me. It's Michael Thomas. I don't know how I screwed that up. Uh, Michael Thomas, the Saints uh, standout second-year wide receiver who uh, was a little shaken up today but still went for it. I tried uh, to get him in forward. fantasy. I couldn't get him. I was wondering <laughs> when you said Mike Williams. I wasn't sure, but I was like, you know what? He know what he's talking about. I guess I was wrong. <laughs> guess you don't know. Yeah, my, my fault. Hey, 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 mercy, hey, man. hey, hey, hey. Come on now. Come on. Come. Hey, hey. Seriously. Hey. Playoffs? Don't talk about Playoffs? <laughs> Goodness, man! Come on, now. get your playoff your game face on. Can't do it. Hey, but uh, do it. Cannot do it. Don't do it. <laughs> gotta love it. Gotta love it. Hey, you know what? Seeing Mike Singletary, let, let's take. I want to. I want to get your thoughts on the San Francisco Forty ers man. They're a really interesting team, especially now. Ever since they acquired uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, the the former second round draft pick, spent three, four years with New England, backing up Tom Brady, got a little bit of a chance to start couple games last year when Brady was suspended, um, looked really good before he ended up getting hurt. That's when Jacoby Brissett was able to get the opportunity there. But uh, anyways, San Francisco, they uh, trade a, a second-round draft pick uh, about a month ago to the New England Patriots. They acquire quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, ever since Garoppolo has been their starting quarterback, they're 4-0. Now, this isn't a, a playoff team right now, no way, no how. But uh, there's already been, been uh, some guys I've seen on my timeline saying, hey, this, this could be a team next year uh, that, that could be in contention for the playoffs. And I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to go that far, but what Garoppolo has done so far with the San Francisco 49ers and the, the talent that surrounded around him. You know, earlier I brought up the talent that surrounded around uh, Mitch Trubisky. Well, I, I got to say that the, the talent doesn't look too much better uh, around Garoppolo, but he's making it work. Um, especially that uh, uh, Marcus Goodwin, the, the wide receiver that they have there in, in San Francisco, he's been he's been their go-to guy uh, for, for the uh, 49ers, especially with uh, Garoppolo on her center. Garoppolo, uh, 21 of 30 passes, uh, 242 yards and, and two touchdowns. He did have an interception, but uh, again, this was a, a victory over a playoff team in the Jacksonville Jaguars today, and they're 4-0 under Jimmy G, man. I mean, uh, is this something that, that San Francisco fans should be really excited for, especially for the future uh, entering next season? I mean, uh, can he bring them? Uh, you know, of course, we're, we're just predicting. We're just having fun here. I mean, could, could this be the, the, the franchise quarterback that the San Francisco 49ers need? 
I think it could be. Uh, I think as a fan, and if you're a fan of San Fran, you you get excited whenever you see um, wins or any type of win streak going up on the board. I think it'll heighten if they win. I think they got one more game correct if they win the next one. I mean, he's been doing really well. Um, but what you see is it's not just him. It's really Kyle Shanahan. You seen you seeing what you should be seeing out of the Atlanta Falcons. Because the Atlanta mm-hmm. Falcons ran the system last year, and it was almost unstoppable. And you see Cal Shanahan, who's got – he finally got a quarterback who he can run the system with because at the beginning of the year he didn't have that. Now he has a quarterback, and then you see the receivers kind of buying into it. You see a good one who, when he ran the 40-yard dash at the combine – you could tell he had run a real fast time because he was just smiling and running like one of the fastest guys in the league. Last year when they played with Atlanta, they had another uh, Gabriel, a fast guy, when he would go through screens and go deep, and he had different type of players, and they kind of made sure everybody had a role. Um, you got you got Hyde, you got different running backs, so they're starting to utilize all of their talent. Um, like I said before, people say, well, you don't have a lot of talent. In NFL, you got talent. You just got to know how to use it. And when Jimmy G came over, it gets everybody excited because the games before this, like, man, I ain't going to get no pass. I might get one. And now he's going to go for two, 300 yards, and I'm as a receiver, I might get 100. And now, guess what? I'm running my routes a little faster. I'm believing in the offense a little bit more. I'm believing in the coach a little bit more. And once you start winning – it infuses in everybody, and everybody enjoys it. Everybody plays faster. Everybody practices a little bit harder because you bought into the system of, oh, man, I see it. And when you see it, see it is believing. And when you see Jimmy um, Jimmy G, man, you got to believe it right now. Uh, even though it's a short sample of games, and I think even next year there are going to be times where he'll struggle because you don't have time to see, you know, what his offense does and what he likes and doesn't like because even with – with the Patriots, he still has a small sample. And with the thing about the NFL, whenever, man, whenever you have a small sample, it looks really good. And then once people figure it out, then now let's see how, how good he is. So I, I would say, man, get excited. But still, you know, it, 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 just, just, just wait the next year and see what happens because all, all we got to do is wait. Yeah, yeah, for now on, I mean, it's really a waiting game. Whenever you're knocked out of the playoffs, you're kind of just playing for the future and looking to see who's playing hard, who, who's still giving it their all, and do we want to bring them back uh, to this team next year while they look to uh, add and have more success uh, in the future. Uh, uh, again, I've mentioned it a couple of times, the Dallas Cowboys were uh, officially knocked out of the playoffs today, DJ. This is a team that a lot of people thought had a chance at winning a Super Bowl of course, uh, the, the suspension of Zeke Elliott for six games had, had a lot to do with that. He, even when he was playing, they're still struggling as a team, but obviously losing a guy uh, like Zeke Elliott, who, who they're very reliant on in that Dallas Cowboys offense uh, with the running game, uh, even in the passing game at, at some point. And, of course, when you have a better run, a good running game, it makes your passing game even better. It helps out Dak Prescott uh, quite a bit, and we've seen that. Um, throughout the season, he, even when he wasn't there, how much of an impact Zeke had on that team. They lost today uh, against Seattle 21-12, to officially out of the playoffs. And, 
uh, after the game, uh, safety Earl Thomas, uh, he, he ran down and was able to find uh, the Cowboys head coach, Jason Garrett, at least current head coach. Who knows what his future holds? I, I can't see Jimmy uh, Jimmy Jones letting him go, Jerry Jones letting him go just yet. So, I mean, it seems like that guy has, has some type of, uh, of love for Jason Garrett, a former player of his. So I'll be surprised if he does get let go after the season. I'll say that. But – he finds, uh, finds Jason Garrett after the game near the Cowboys' uh, locker room and ends the conversation with, if you get a chance to get me, come and get me. Uh, do we read anything into that, DJ? I mean, I, I don't know. That's, that's pretty telling <laughs> to me. <laughs> well, I don't think you got to read it. I mean, it, it's, uh, I think his contract is due until, what is it, like 2019? Um, it's been a lot going around with uh, the Seahawks. Uh, they're a very vocal team. They coach let them talk about a lot of different stuff, very vocal about any situation going on. Um, but what happens is, uh, and I think, I don't know what I was watching the other day, but it was like, well, when you're losing, that noise is, is more distracting when you're losing. Uh, when you're beating up on everybody and shutting people out and you got the best defense in, in the lead and you're making the back-to-back Super Bowls, you can talk as much noise as you want to talk, and people don't care about it. Uh, the team doesn't care about it. Your coaches doesn't care about it. Your owner don't care about it. But when you're not winning, when you haven't been to a Super Bowl in a couple of years and when you haven't done the things that you've been doing and we haven't been seeing you perform like we used to seeing you perform, now things – Everybody kind of get real tight, um, and you and I think with a lot of guys being injured, it, it, it's got to be something also going on because it's just, here's a guy that has a couple of years on his contract. Say, hey man, if you if you can get me, man, come and get me. That's a guy that's that's trying to get up, you know, trying to get up out of there. Now, also you got to think too. Uh, he went to college at uh, to, I don't know where he's from, but I know he went to college at Texas, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, so so I don't know if he's trying to get back to you know get back to that area. Now, to be honest with you, Dallas needs a lot on defense. Um, and I love Marinelli. I think he's coaching that defense, but they run that cover two system. And I think getting a safety like that, you maybe can even change that system because that system itself, which I love it, and I made a lot of plays in it. It's a bend but don't break system. Uh, but when you got a cornerback, I mean a safety like Earl Thomas, I man, he can go sideline to sideline, and you can change a few things. But I think things like this go on often. I think I think sometimes you catch it on camera, sometimes you don't. Um, but what's going to be a problem is in his locker room. Well, hey, you know it may have to be addressed. He may have to have you know a meeting with a coach. But I, I'm, I'm sure they coaches already know that they are probably frustrated, and it seems like everybody in that Seahawks locker room. You know, is frustrated with everybody else. You know, in their locker room, and when you're losing, man, uh, you hear more about it. Reporters ask you more about it, and uh, that's kind of what it is now. So, like he said, hey, man, if you can, hey, Garrett, if you can get him, please do because you need him. Because if you don't have him next year, man, you might be out of something. Yeah, you you got that right. And yeah, Earl Thomas, he's from Orange, Texas. Uh, like you said, he went to the University of Texas, was a first-round pick by the Seattle Seahawks in 2010, and uh, still uh, went healthy. I mean, one of the league's top safeties, arguably the league's top safety, period. And, uh, yeah, as you said, I mean, uh, with the personalities they have on that team, especially that defense with Richard Sherman, with Michael Bennett, uh, et cetera. I mean, you, 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 you know for sure he's going to be hearing about that. Uh, probably has already he- heard about that uh, in the locker room following the game. 
especially with how big social media and how easy, uh, you know, uh, the, these, uh, these things can get out now um, following a, a football game. I mean, that, that was literally minutes after the, the Seahawks victory, and uh, it, it was uh, out just like that. Um, now, uh, of course, we're an hour into the show, DJ. Again, you guys are listening to the Chris and DJ show. I'm your host, Chris Shanafel. He's DJ Moore, the former Chicago Bear. Give him a follow on Twitter, at DJ Moore 30 uh, You guys can listen to the show. <laughs> you guys can listen to the show if you are listening. Obviously, you're listening on Blog Talk Radio. Um, we did submit this show for iTunes, so that should be up on iTunes. If you just search uh, Chris and DJ show, uh, it should be up within the next week. So be on the lookout for that. One hour in, DJ, another hour to go. And uh, let, let's go ahead and start this second hour with uh, – uh, I'll just go ahead and flat out ask, what the hell is a catch, man? I mean, it, it seems like 10 years ago it was much more easier to define what a catch was and what wasn't. Uh, you know, now, I mean, there, there's all these different camera angles. There's all these different rules now that defines exactly what a catch is and what a catch isn't. Um, and, and it seems like, you know, a, a guy like uh, – I'll bring it up, Chicago Bears tight end Zach Miller – uh, catches the ball in the end zone against the New Orleans Saints about five, six weeks ago. And, uh, of course, we all know about the, the terrible knee injury he suffered. Well, it, it certainly looked like a catch to me. And then he uses the ball uh, after he's, he's holding it for, for a few seconds. He uses the ball to kind of lift himself up. And uh, that right there, the, the NFL officials uh, said, uh, no, no good, no catch, no touchdown. And uh, the Bears were uh, robbed of a touchdown there, uh, in my opinion, at least. I don't know what you thought about the play. But, um, I mean, do, do you think the NFL is just going too far when, when it tries to define what a catch is? Should we really look into this, this, and this, or, or should we just play the eye test and say, oh, that looks like a catch to me? Well, I think the rules are honestly fine. Um, the only problem with it is whenever you catch it, you're going to have to protect it and go to the ground, which kind of for more explosive plays in the gates to run after the catch. But if you want to catch it, well, just catch it and be secure with it. And I was in Chicago, and a benefit of Calvin Johnson going up and catching it, it's obvious that he caught it, but on his way up, he didn't hold on to the ball, complete the catch. Now, should it have been a touchdown? Yeah, we probably should have lost, but it was in our favor. So you have to understand, as a receiver, when they change the rules, guess what you have to do? You have to change with it. When they start calling holding or Passing the fans more as a DB, you have to adjust to it. Uh, every game you have different refs or different whatever. They We already know going into the game, this ref does this, this ref likes to call this. So you have to adjust to that. And as a receiver, you have to understand it. If you extend the ball while you're going to the ground, you run the risk of the ball bobbling on the ground. Like you run that risk. Now, would you do it each and every time? Yes, because you want to win a game. And probably the reason we're talking about it because the young guy from um, Pittsburgh, and it's obvious that he kind of caught the ball and then he stretched it across. But it's just like you ha- when you're falling down, you have to complete the catch. Now, with him, which is kind of confusing sometimes, is that it seems like when he catches the ball, if he takes a couple of steps, when does he become a runner? And then when does he, is he considered still falling? Because I know if you go across the pylon, it's a touchdown when you're running. But if you catch it and go across the pylon, well, you have to complete the catch. Um, so I understand it. I say, hey, listen, just make sure 
even if you if you're gonna get a touchdown, you know what? Reach it across the goal line real quick, and then pull it back and make sure you secure the catch. Because if you do not secure the catch, they've shown time and time again. Even though you know you got control of it, you see you falling down and making the extra move. They do not care. You have to make sure you control the ball. And for receivers and coaches, man, you gotta have a drill or something. Catch the ball, secure the ball. Uh, I think somebody was it. They might have been Fox or something was talking about the Patriots, and they were like, "Well, they found the rule because they they tell them like, we don't need yards after the catch. I need you to catch the ball for it because it, it's more important for you to catch the ball. If you catch and get yards after, and you fall down and you don't get up with the ball, well, guess what? You don't have any yards. Uh, so I think the players and the coaches guys have to adjust to it, and uh, you gotta. It is what it is. Are you saying maybe this is something that they should uh, uh, focus on more in practice? We're talking about practice, man. <laughs> See, you, you just, yeah, no, seriously, though, man. I mean, it, it, it truly does. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, and that was a funny thing. And the funny thing about that, well, I think his, you know, his, like, best friend had, like, died or whatever. And it was talk, but they didn't give you the backstory to it and whatever. So it makes when you see it and like, oh, you get the backstory. It's like, oh, okay, well, well, why are they talking about practice? My best friend died, and I had to do this and this, whatever. But um, but yeah, practice does. I mean, it truly does help. Um, every damn practice when I play with with Peanut Tillman, uh, the Peanut Punch, he would almost break your arm trying to get that ball out each and every day, and he benefited from that. So you have to do it in practice and then let it carry over to the game because if you don't, if you lose with the ball in practice, guess what? Well, you probably won't get in the game, but when you do get in the game, well, it's going to be an incomplete catch, man, an incomplete pass. Yeah, I mean, and then especially like uh, – Can you catch? These, these... What's up? Can, can you catch? Can you? Are you a, like uh, – did you play before? I play. I played peewee you... ball, but that that was about it. But, uh, yeah, yeah, what I, mean, I, I thought yeah. that was the best – uh, well, oh yeah. I mean, I I played a little bit, you know. But uh, I, I mean, I'll what, say what this, position I mean, did you play? Oh well, unfortunately, for whatever reason, uh, you know, I, I go up to the coach and say I want to play either receiver or defensive back, you know, safety. Oh, uh, okay, we'll put you on offensive and defensive line. All right, so so I, I had fun on offensive and defensive line. But I I I will oh. tell you this, I I have the best hands that any offensive or defensive line. Lyman would have ever had. All right, you, you could go NFL, college, Pee Wee, high school, whatever. I, I'll, I'll I'll go up with any of them. <laughs> you funny man. You funny. Hey man, I, awesome. I'm just saying when, when you want when you want to go uh, <laughs> you want to go at it one on ones, man. Just just give me a call and I'll be there. I'll, I'll tell you that. All right. <laughs> yeah, man, that wouldn't be good, man. That would not be good. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> All right, let me let me stop playing. Let me stop playing. But uh, yeah, again, a very very interesting, uh, you know, uh, playoff picture. And you know, when it comes to uh, what's a catch and what isn't a catch, uh, the bottom line is you have to adjust to the rules, whether you like them or not. You, 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 and like we said, you know, you, these, these rules do change. I mean, NFL rules change every year. Uh, maybe not necessarily the catch rules, but there are rules added every year, and you just have to adjust. And, uh, you know, when it comes to the catch rule, uh, you, you have to know exactly what, what it is that you need to do in order to secure a catch and for it to officially be a catch, um, and then you, you won't have that problem. Now, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, it's probably not always going to be on your mind, especially if you're in your sixth, seventh year, whatever, 
And, uh, you know, it's a brand new rule, but uh, that, again, it's called adjusting. You, you have to adjust to it and, uh, you, you have to, you have to work on it in practice. And, uh, you know, if you work on it in practice and have success at it in practice, then, uh, chances are you'll, you'll do fine in the game. Um, you know, tra- transitioning on to, uh, what, what might be a, a more, uh, serious, uh, topic DJ, and that's, uh, Jerry Richardson, the, the, the owner of the Carolina Panthers. He's, uh, pretty much forced mm-hmm. to uh, put the, uh, the the team up for sale. Um, I, I think I, I remember uh, reading. I mean, uh, he, he bought it for a, a few million, and I like I just I like how I just throw a few million out there like it's nothing. But now the team's probably going to go for uh, anywhere from two to three billion with a B billion dollars. Um, and of course, we, we we've seen uh, P Diddy. Uh, I'm sorry, Diddy. Uh, you know, he, he's put a video out there saying he's interested in uh, in purchasing the team. Uh, Steph Curry, Colin Kaepernick are among athletes that have said that they would like to get into it as well. Um, this is a guy, this is an organization that you've played for. Um, mm-hmm. Any thoughts on this news? And, and uh, have you ever had any uh, interaction with Jerry Richardson? What what kind of guy was he to, to the team, to the players, uh, to you? And, uh, you know, what are your overall thoughts on uh, him putting the team up for sale? Uh, and I haven't had like a interaction like just me and him just talking. I mean, I've seen him talk to different players. Like if you were one of his star players, he would for sure come down and you know while we were lifting weights and pull you to the side and talk to you. You know, from all I know, you know he's always been you know you know a good person or whatever. Um, but I mean, you don't know what you know what skeletons people have in their closet. Things they do when you know what I mean when you're not around them. Um, but when you're, you know, a powerful man, and his story is really good. I think he's the only owner that actually played in the NFL. I think he played for the the Colts back in the day. Um, and then he, and especially for us, I'm from Spartanburg, South Carolina, so uh, he went, I think he went to Walford maybe. Um, and then he got, like, the Jerry Richardson. He just built a new, like, basketball stadium. The Panthers come down here to Spartanburg. Um, so whenever they sell the team, I know a lot of that, you know, a lot of that business and stuff will change for the people, you know, around here. But uh, when this day and age, man, it's just like, you're like with the, if you read it and, you know, about the, you know, talking about, you know, girls' pants and different things like that, it just, it just, you just can't, you just can't, yeah, you just can't, uh, you just can't do it. Um and then he had the, and I think what really what really says off was with the, I think was with the, the scout with the racial remarks, and it's kind of like yeah. the owner, the Clippers only like he just, you, I mean, no, no league is going to stand for that. Um, so, um, and then just where we at now, where the, the team is up, you know, up for up for sale. So, and I, he was one of those influential owners as well. So, you know, how would that, you know, change things with maybe a guy like, you know, P. Diddy or somebody coming in to that to that um, situation? Or would they even let that happen? Because with the owners, it's, you know what I mean, it's, what is it, 32? Is it any black owner yeah. in the NFL? I don't think it is. So, no. I mean, with, with something like that coming in, like, you know, how would they proceed? Like, how would that change the dynamic of the conversation of, you know, how they're treating the players and how they're treating the players going forward? Even though you, I think you need the majority votes and he, who, he or whoever would probably be on the outside kind of look at him. But it will be interesting. I think they're a very valuable team. You know, does that team move out of Charlotte? 
I think Charlotte's a good place, but, you know, they might want them somewhere else. Um, so what's that whole dynamic like? So that's going to be, you know, interesting to see how this whole thing plays out uh, going forward. And there are a lot of people I've seen, you know, there are, there are a lot of fans uh, that, that are afraid that, you know, it, it, or when Jerry Richardson does sell this team, that it's a real possibility that they could uh, they could move out of Carolina now, uh, DJ. I mean, you, you you mentioned it. You're from there. You're you're from uh, South Carolina. You, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you currently reside there now. Mm-hmm. Why the hell isn't your name being brought up, my man? <laughs> oh man, I ain't got long paper like that, champ. That's 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 a little bit too long. Um, like too 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 long. And I don't and I don't <laughs> have no wherewithal to you know know how to you know, run a team, you know, so it's it's going to be a learning curve for, you know, I think for whoever gets the team because they got to do kind of damage control and, and all that good stuff. So I think it's a lot of good people that does work for that organization and, in, in like, how would that affect their families and different things like that is going to, you know, shake some things up. But, um, I mean, it, it, these are the times, man. So if you – <laughs> Either don't do what you don't supposed to do, and uh, we all be, you know, uh, we'll be all right, man. Oh, one last thing. I mean, uh, growing up, I mean, were, were you a, a Panthers fan? I mean, they're a relatively new team. You know, they were an expansion team. They came into the league in 1995. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I mean, what you know, what is the that that you know, and you played for them. I mean, what's that fan base like? Um, you know, I, I'm sure there are some diehards out there. I, I actually have a good friend of mine that, uh, you know, lives in Chicago. He, he's from Chicago. I don't know how he uh, became a Panthers fan, but all his life he, he's been a Carolina Panthers fan. Um, you know, what, what's that fan base like? And uh, if they were to leave hmm. Carolina, I mean, what kind of impact could that have on, uh, you know, the state? Well, me growing up, I was a Cowboys fan because, I, I don't know, Cowboys was always on TV and it was – Deion Sanders and Eight Men and all those Emmitt Smith and all those guys like it was like the really good Cowboys. Um, and then when the Panthers came in, it was like oh you know okay. Um, but the fan base is not like you know Chicago. It doesn't have that equity kind of build up to where it's just like I'm at every single game, no matter the weather, no matter our record. And then when Carolina's winning, they're there. When they're losing, yeah, you may see, you know, a couple more blue seats. But um, in terms of money, when when a team leaves a place, it leaves a hole. You leave a whole season of my restaurant or my bars and different things like that because they're located in Charlotte, which is an hour away from me. And then once we hit where they have camp at where I stay, you know, it'll it'll you know it'll affect us to where like uh, you know people taking their their families out there and the restaurants making money the same, you know, the same type of situation. So I think Charlotte is, you know, great, but I think they'll probably keep it in Charlotte. Uh, I don't know, you know, how they would do the camp or, or change it up because there was whole Jerry Richardson's whole thing of having the thing at, uh, having it at, um, at Walford. I mean, he's built a new, like I said, a new beautiful basketball stadium where I think, uh, Walford is a smaller D1 school, and I know North Carolina was supposed to come at some point down here in Spummer to play. Like, that's how nice, like, the uh, facility is that he built. I mean, the practice and all of that good stuff. So he's done a lot around the community of, you know, Spartanburg, and, and that's gone. And I'm, I'm assuming that, that, you know, that'll change when, when the hands kind of uh, change over.
Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know what? Let's stay in Carolina, but we're going to transition to uh, to, to the college football game, DJ. And that's uh, you know, let's let's just go ahead and talk about. It. We're uh, a little over a week away uh, from the college football playoffs. Um, eight days from now, uh, we'll, we'll get started. <laughs> yeah, there we go, right? I, I, <laughs> there we go. Man, you I, I can't should, miss I, I opportunities, know, man. man. You yeah, can, I did. Uh, I did. That, that was the perfect do it. one. <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> but, we uh, had them where we wanted know. them. We let them off the hook. <laughs> we, had, we let them off the hook. All right. I mean, uh, okay. Missed opportunity. I got to, I got to take notes. I'll tell you that. But, um, so let's go ahead. Clemson, they, they, they're number one that they're hosting uh university of Alabama. That's probably mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people uh, thought that that could be the national championship game. Uh, this year, it was the past two years, uh, going one and one Clemson won last year, Alabama won, uh, two years ago. Um, so they're meeting in the first round while the University of Oklahoma and uh, the University of Georgia are meeting in uh, the, the, the uh, other uh, first round as well. Um, just looking at both of these games, I, I mean, I, I think Alabama is probably the best four seed there could be in the college football playoff. And uh, j- just knowing that there's only two games and then it's the national championship game, you know, uh, knowing that the playoffs only contain uh, four teams, it's a little disappointing. I do wish that they would expand it to – uh, you know, even six, I mean, whatever you could do, if you could add any more teams, even if it's six, I'd personally like to see it be eight teams, um, make the playoffs a little bit longer, uh, a few weeks longer. But um, anyways, as of right now, it's only four teams in it. We got Clemson number one, Oklahoma number two, Georgia number three, and Alabama number four. Um, have you been able to pay attention to the college football season at all? And, uh, you know, what, what what are you liking about these matchups? I, and I, I've been looking at it a little bit, and, and what I like about the matches is I just I didn't want to see another Clemson and Bama final. So what they did was say, you know what, instead of doing that, and I know people want to argue about, well, you got to change it up, change it up. They essentially giving you the best two teams and having them face off, um, and then giving another team a chance to be in the final. So you got Bama, who's number three in the nation. Uh, in total defense, you got Clemson, who's number six. Um, in these last couple of years that they've played, you know they've grown. This, you know, especially during this playoff era, it's just been it's just Clemson and Bama. Like who's gonna win, Clemson and Bama? Um, so and I, and I think Clemson defense a little bit faster, uh, Bama's a little bit stronger, um, and they just have two quarterbacks who can get the job done. But I think they both still are just unproven raw talent. And you just never know what you're going to get, I think, out of either of these quarterbacks. Uh, I think Clemson all year has just been living and dying off their, off their defense. Um, Miller, to see, I think their defense was, like, injured a little bit. They had to have some offensive players play defense. Uh, but Venable, their defensive coordinator, has a, an array of blitzes, man. He sends them from every which way, and no matter if he sends nine guys to the NFL, he has nine more guys ready to go, you know, right behind him. Uh, Bama has the same pedigree. Um, and you see it, you know, earlier this year, like recruiting, they both is always five-star, four-star players, guys that everybody wants, you know, you know, on their team. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be a defensive battle, but at the end it's going to come down to, you know, which of these unproven quarterbacks can kind of prove themselves in the last minute. Uh, both teams have had 
one game where they struggled, Clemson obviously, I think with Syracuse, Bama, where Auburn was on a hot streak and they kind of tore them apart. Um, but I think the biggest thing in this game is it's not really a team. It's more so Dabo Sweeney, Sweeney and uh, Nick Saban. I think they don't give Dabo Sweeney much credit nationally as to being a good coach, but I think now they are. And I think if he can beat Bama again, I think that kind of, to me, almost makes him almost even with Nick Saban. I think he is, like, knocking on that door. Um, and you can see it over the last about five, six years. It's like, it's really, Clemson has probably been, you know, the best team, it seemed like, winning percentage-wise in college football. And, and I think if Nick Saban can, not Nick Saban, but if Dabo Sweeney can beat Nick Saban again, I think he'll get the respect that, you know, I think that he probably deserves because right now I don't think they give it to him. And, of course, Dabo Sweeney, uh, uh, he uh, he used to, uh, I believe he coached uh, with uh, Nick Saban. Does that sound right to you? There at Alabama? Um, Or or he he attended Alabama. He went went to Alabama as a graduate, I think, and played and stuff. So I think probably at some point he may have – because all the coach, all good coaches have coached under other good coaches, um, so I'm sure as a coach, especially in college, you have to look up to Nick Saban and like what he does. Um, but I, I just truly think right now Dabo is really is passing him up, and if he can win this game right here, I think either he'll be like right there with him, uh, respected wise, you know, or just like a man, a uh, uh, shoe lace behind. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think – and, yeah, he was a wide receiver at Alabama from 1990 to 1992, then uh, was the uh, graduate coach and a wide receivers coach from uh, 93 through 97 uh, – through 2000, excuse me. So, obviously, still before Saban got there. But, um, you know, this is a, a team that he's he's very familiar with uh, when, when you talk about even just coaching against um, over the last couple of years in the national championship game and then uh, even uh, playing for and, and coaching with. Uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Dabo Sweeney, uh, here's a question for you, DJ. What, what do you think about his chances of being an NFL coach? I'm not saying next year. I'm not saying, um, you know, right right now. But um, eventually, do you see him as an NFL coach? Me personally, I think he should just stay where he's at. Uh, you know, I, I don't think every college coach that has success at the college game uh, should uh, should go ahead and leave for the NFL. It doesn't always work out. Look at Chip Kelly, although he did have some sex a success uh, immediately uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, but uh, we, we see now that ended up uh, turning out. Now he's back uh, in the college ranks. Um, I think Dabble's kind of, kind of a similar guy, though. I think his coaching style and, and the way he carries himself and, and uh, recruits, I, I think it's just perfectly made for the college football game in today's uh, in today's era where I, I don't know if he has a, a similar success or, or if his voice carries as much weight uh, with an NFL team as it does with a college football team. Well, you just never know. Uh, but in college, it's just different because you will see, I think down here, like he signed like the top five players out of five different states. He got a Trevor Lawrence kid who's coming that's supposed to be the next great quarterback. You know what I mean? You got running backs. and you, Every year you get a receiver that's five-star. And two running backs, like, you know, extra quarterback or um, – defensive lineman, the best defensive lineman in the country. So you get to recruit different things like that. It just 
and it helps you. And pro is just it's just different. I think in college also you have more control over everything. You got control over what the kids do. Uh, you got control over when they leave or don't leave. If they do leave, you can say, well, you can't go here, you can't go there. You have more control. Uh, in the NFL, is a little less control because you have, you know, the GM and different things like that. And when you're head coach in college football, man, it's like it's just you and it's your job to figure everything out. Um, you have less control in the NFL. So I think he's a guy that, that he's suited to coach uh, in college. Now, he may be a great NFL coach one day, but I think he just – He's suited for the college game, and he always had this rah-rah speech and bringing guts and all this other stuff that he kind of comes up with is suited more for the college game. And I think he's one of those guys that's completely, you know, invested in Clemson. And he may be there, and he might be there like um, Bowden was over at Florida State where he get the name the day that he kind of wants to leave. I think he wants that type of legacy, you know, at Clemson. And so far, he's having it, man. I mean, uh, he's had a lot of success there, and here they are again for a third year in a row, back in the college football playoffs. And, yes, I know this is an opportunity where I can play my sound clip, DJ, but I'm not going to. Uh, but uh, a very, it's different very for college, uh, impressive. Though. It's different for college. <laughs> you, you got I mean? that right. You got that right. Yeah. Very, very, uh, very impressive, though, what Dabo Sweeney has been able to do. And then, of course, losing your – your quarterback, you know, a first-round quarterback that has been playing lights out when he was able to uh, in the NFL and Deshaun Watson still be the number one team in the nation. I, I think that speaks volume, not not only to your coaching, but the players that you've been able to recruit and the players you currently have uh, on that Clemson squad. So they're the number one team in the nation, getting ready to take on the number four team, uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And then the other matchup we have is uh, the, the the matchup of probably – the two best quarterbacks in the playoffs, I would say, certainly Baker Mayfield with Oklahoma and then Jake Fromm from the University of Georgia. That that will probably be the main matchup right there, just looking at how those two quarterbacks match up against each other. Um, obviously, Baker Mayfield, man, this is probably the most exciting quarterback. Or, uh, well, I, I wouldn't really say that. I think Lamar Jackson last year, even this year, was really exciting. But uh, a lot of people bring up the comparison to Johnny Manziel when talking about Baker Mayfield. And, and of course, both of them were both – very successful and very exciting college football players. Uh, Baker Mayfield, I should say, uh, still is, although he will uh, – this is his senior season. So, uh, you know, if he, he loses this game, then uh, his college career is done. But uh, a lot of uh, Johnny Manziel comparisons when talking about uh, Baker Mayfield. I go a different route, and I know uh, this is uh, this is just a comparison, and I know this is uh, some big shoes to fill, but I almost see a Russell Wilson – when I watch Baker Mayfield, I mean, obviously you're, you're, I'm kind of going that route because of you know Whoa. the smaller stature. He, he man, is a six foot. Man, he ain't no good. He ain't hey, no are good. you serious? Listen, are you kidding me? He he really ain't no good, man. Like, and he may surprise me. Even Deshaun Watson surprised me a little bit, but Baker Mayfield been in college for 140 years. Like, he is no good. He just ain't, man. He really ain't. Like I and I like him. He got like a real cool like personality and stuff and be dancing around, got confidence. He ain't no good, man. Like that's just it. You know what I mean? And I could be wrong. And I really could be. You know what I mean? But I, no. no. Uh-uh. I'm not and saying he's first just, round draft pick good. I'm not saying he's first round pick good. I I'm saying that's exactly this what is the guy saying. that when you compare him to Russell Wilson, it's not that Russell Wilson I'm comparing him to a third round third draft round. pick and Russell Wilson. No, man, you comparing him to the guy that Russell Wilson is. You saying that. So if you redrafted, is it, would Russell Wilson be first round or would he be third? You would pick him first. I would. 
So that's what you can pan him to. If you saying he's going to be that type of guy, and I, to me I personally, he, I, I, I don't see it. I, I, just I don't think see he could it. Be. I don't think his arm is good. Uh, they they got a wide open. I just don't see it. But I, I you know what? Um, I could, I mean I could be wrong. Uh, this game should be good. I don't think both quarterbacks are good. You got Jake Fromm, who's a really young quarterback, and Georgia's kind of hides him. Um, out of the four teams, you got Georgia, who's the number four defense. Bama three and Clemson six. Oklahoma's fifty seven. Um, this is going to be two different teams. You got one team who loves to run the ball and play defense, and then you got another team who loves to pass the ball and play no defense. Um, so, you know, Baker Mayfield against the SEC. Now they have been in. I think they was in the college playoff. Was it last year? The year last year, correct? Oklahoma. I th- yeah, I think the year before. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is now Baker Mayfield. They've been there. Georgia, you know, a freshman quarterback, they haven't been there. So will the game be too big for them? And I want people to understand, like, and at first I didn't get it until I was in it, like understanding how how the game changes when, you, when you're young. Because when I first got in college as a freshman, everybody looked so much bigger. The stadium looked big. Everybody looked faster. They looked stronger. And then my second year, everybody seemed to shrink a little bit because I was just used to that experience. And it's and it's kind of hard to say like how will they take that? How 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 will these young this young guy from or any of those Georgia players who haven't been in the college playoff and haven't experienced it yet? Because they're the only team out of the four that haven't experienced the college playoff. Um, so, and I think especially with that that um, the quarterback. Being a freshman, Oklahoma has to sit in the house. You got to play one on one on the outside. You can't allow Chubb and those Georgia running backs. They always have really good running backs to run it down your throat, run it down your throat. I think it was one game from might have threw like two passes and they won by forty. Um, they're averaging about on defense giving up like twelve points, and they had one outlier game where they gave up forty. Uh, if you take out that forty-point game against Auburn, which they they turned around and you know held them to seven, they get up like nine points a game. Um, so, and on the opposite side, you got Oklahoma State, who I mean, Oklahoma who gave fifty-two points up to Oklahoma State, thirty-five to Kansas State. When they lost to Iowa State with thirty-eight, they gave up forty-one to Baylor. You know what type of team? You know will they be with that old-school SEC run the ball, play defense, win? Or will it be that, you know, that, well, they're in the Big 12, correct? Right. Yeah, well, that Big 12, high-powered, fast offense win. And normally it's the defense that they, I think that kind of, you know, wins out. But if it's any team that, that had, has had success over the years against SEC school, I think it's been probably Oklahoma. And that was under their old coach as well, um, yeah. who coached in the SEC as well at, at, at points. But, uh these are just two contrasting teams, and it's going to be interesting. Probably the first couple drives to see, like, you know, can Georgia go at these guys and slow them down, and then can Oklahoma stop this running game at all uh, with this 57 ranked defense? I will agree with you and say that uh, you know, like you, you said, these are some of the, the, the <laughs> some of the top defenses in the nation. Then here we have Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And then we have Oklahoma, uh, you know, ranked in the in the fifties. While the other three teams are, are within the top ten, so uh, you know, I mean, if Oklahoma's offense 
you know, if they can't get things started, uh, if they can't get things started right away, that then, you know, it, it, it'll probably be in Georgia's favor. And, uh, you know, a lot of people argue should a Big 12 team, uh, you know, be in the college football playoffs because, you know, damn near every team in the Big 12 doesn't play defense and they're all high-powered offensive teams. But, uh, you know, uh, Oklahoma, as you mentioned a couple times, DJ, they, if, they're, if there's any team – has had any success when it comes to big-time opponents or out-of-conference opponents like the SEC or maybe the ACC. It is the University of Oklahoma. Uh, well, they haven't had success with the ACC because Clemson put it to them. Now, the SEC. I think what's going to be good with them, though, is that you the one game that Georgia struggled with was against Auburn when they lost 40-17. to Georgia's going to analyze – I mean, Oklahoma's going to analyze that game. What did they do? Um and when Auburn was playing good, they would had their quarterback, uh, the kid that transferred from Baylor, throwing those quick short passes. So they're going to simple, almost try to put a game similar to that one of when would Auburn beat them. Now Georgia was probably should look at that game and know it's a copycat thing and and trying to analyze their game as well. So I think they have Oklahoma has the players and the twos to do what Auburn did to them. Uh, it just a matter of seeing if they can execute it or, or not be bullied. Because the SEC teams, when they get into these these finals, like it's just one of those things where it's just like they just start to bully. And to have two SEC teams in the finals, one of them has to make it. If not, that's just kind of embarrassing. And I'm yeah, an SEC no, I, I, Come on. I, and, I hey, where's it? When are we going to see Vandy uh, in the college football playoffs, CJ? Man, listen, man, they're going to they gonna take a little <laughs> bit. You know what I mean? If we had, like, a spelling bee or something, you know what I mean, we'd probably be – I wouldn't be in there, but uh, it's just harder, man. It's, to to have a, have a school where your academics are so high, and not only <laughs> just that, though, your – what is that, what I'm trying to say? Like, you don't have the, the – the, the, the name recognition of hey come to Bama and play or come here and play and like go, um, so you got to just get guys together there at the same time because when I was there, when I got there, Jay Cutler was leaving and then and then I was with there with Earl Bennett and that year he was good and I was awful, and then when I was good, we had another cat uh, come behind me Myron and he was good and then Casey Hayward who plays. Like he made the Pro Bowl last year, like later league interceptions. He played after that. You know what I mean? So we don't all come together, and you don't have to do a heck of a recruiting job um, and just hit the jackpot on every single one of those guys you get. Um, and that's gonna be the only way. But it, it's still gonna be tough. So we're gonna get there. Gonna, it, everything. The clock always comes around. You know what I mean? So we're gonna get there. Hey, you know, may, maybe. Maybe maybe if we could get the playoffs to expand to what maybe sixty five seventy teams maybe. That <laughs> <laughs> boy just NCAA be on March Madness. God, lady. I don't know. If we'll make that either. Goodness gracious. Playing a bracket man. now. You know what? I appreciate that, man. That was uh that was well thought out, man. I think that was on the fly too. Sixty five <laughs> seventy teams. You kidding me? Hey, we're, we're only seven days, 18 hours, 24 minutes, and 50 seconds from the uh, college football playoffs. You can get that countdown at collegefootballplayoff.com. So, uh, again, a uh, little over a week. <laughs> Jeez, I'm, man, I was on here with a, with a genius, man. You should let me know who did something else, man. Jeez. 
So uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, you know, it, it's been a while since we've seen these teams play, but we do have the bowl game action uh, going on, DJ. And, uh, you know, we, we started seeing it a little bit last year with some of these guys that were uh, projected first-round draft picks, and they ended up being first-round draft picks, and Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey. We're seeing it again this year, and that is – uh, guys that, that are seniors, or, or believe we've even seen a, a junior as well, a defensive back from the University of Texas, um, already pull out of the bowl game that they're going to be playing in to get a head start on, on the NFL draft process, get ready uh, for some uh, NFL combine training and pro day training. Um, you know, uh, I, 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 before we started the show, DJ, I sent out a, a quick post on, on Facebook and, and Twitter and all social media, and I ended one of the hashtags with Next Mike and Mike um, because that was a show that I, I always used to listen to every morning. And I know Mike Golick, the former NFL player, uh, the, 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 uh, what one half of that show, obviously, uh, Mike and Mike, he, he's not happy. He doesn't like that when uh, when players are pulling out of bowl games to, to get a head start on the NFL draft training. I, I kind of understand it. So, so we do have an offensive lineman who's a projected first-round draft pick this year. He's already pulled out of the, the game, uh, another University of Texas Longhorn. And then the defensive back from the University of Texas has all, also pulled out. And then yesterday uh, it, it uh, became official that Josh Rosen, obviously the biggest name of the three, uh, quarterback from UCLA, uh, pulled out as well, but it looks as if the reason behind his uh, pull out of the game is because of uh, a concussion, concussion symptoms. So that, of course, you're, you're going to understand it and uh, you know uh, listen to him. But how about uh, how about the the other two? How about these guys that are pulling out uh, for uh, to, to get a head start on the NFL draft process? I personally understand it. We've seen what happened to Jalen Smith. The uh, he, he was a lock to be at least a top five pick, the linebacker from Notre Dame, ends up uh, tearing his ACL, messing up his entire uh, knee in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, and uh, he, he ends up falling to the second round to the Dallas Cowboys. So, so I kind of understand what these guys are, uh, are making the decision to, to, to kind of skip this bowl game. But uh, as a former player, you know, if you're in the locker room with these guys, how would you look at them? Oh, man, I'll be happy for them, man. Tell them congratulations. Go and get your paper, boo-boo. Hey, listen, <laughs> it's like it makes so much sense. Like I didn't think about it like when I was when I was playing – and the funny thing was I got hurt in my bowl game, um, and I really didn't get to train for the 40 or anything like that because I was rehabbing the whole time, you know, before the before the combine came up and before the pro day. I just was rehabbing on my ankles. I twisted it. Um, and when you when the agent looks at you and tells you, look at, look at the man from Dallas, look at him, look what happened. Like your money went from – you should have had this much to then you having this little. Like, you cannot – I don't think you can You can risk it, man. Like, you just can't do it. And and to me, it make, it just makes every bit of sense in the world. And I know Mike and Mike and Golik, whatever, he got to say what he got to say. But it's just – like, if you don't understand that, it doesn't make sense. Like, why am I going to risk injury? Oh, they're your teammates. Well, they'll understand that, though. They understand that if I get injured – what does that mean to my future? It's taking, you know, it's going to take a lot from you. Um, so I think once you get into a situation where you got a running back, I think you can replace them. You can replace, you know, a cornerback or a defensive line, maybe an old lineman sometimes, but it's really hard to replace a quarterback. And I know Rosen had the, you know, the concussion, but to get a guy ready 
within a couple of weeks and say, hey, man, I want you to play the whole game. It, now, it puts your team in a tough situation. But I think the players on the team will understand it. Now, will the coaches be upset? Probably so, but you probably won't talk to them ever again or maybe when you come back from homecoming because once you leave, you, uh, you're you gone. But I think they have to understand that. Like, I can't. I can't I can't go out there and just, you know, risk being injured because it's gonna it's gonna impact how much money I get when I get drafted and I don't know when I'm gonna have this much money again or this opportunity again. So it it makes sense to me. If I'm not in the, the if I'm not in the playoff and even in the playoff to a certain extent, you know, depending on who I am, but I think all eyes on you in that playoff game, you can kinda really impact your stock a little bit, but I don't think it benefits you at all. They've seen you probably for two or three years now. Um, so what's going to be one more quarter of action of 30 plays that I'm seeing me that they haven't seen already? Hey, you know what? I, I'll tell you this, DJ. I, I love the, you know, the, the uh, Idaho famous potato bowls and the, you know, Subway, $5 footlong sandwich bowls. You know, I, I love it, man. Any football I could get, I love it. But uh, it, will, will we ever see this in a, a college football playoff game, though? Uh, now, now I'm not so sure. I, I don't know. And will, will, will players be looked at any differently than they would if they were to sit out a, a bowl game if they decide to sit out a college football playoff game? I think so because I think um, the way people analyze, they want to know that you love the game. So when they analyze it from a potato bowl, they're going to be like, oh, okay, well, I know, I understand that. Then when they look at the college playoffs, like, well, you don't love the game. You don't love the competition. You're afraid, you know, the competition part of it. I mean, so it's – I think the higher the stakes, the more they'll, they'll you know, weigh it on you negatively um, that you don't want to play. But if it's just a regular bowl game, like, well, hey, listen, I understand, like, Go get your money, boo boo. You you good, but if the stakes are higher, they're gonna be like, well, we gotta play in the snow, or we gotta go to Green Bay, or we gotta go to Chicago, play in the playoffs. Like, oh, you gonna be ready, or do you want to just sit out the game and then watch right. somebody else play? You know what I mean? So they can take it both ways. Even with that, they'll probably ask them questions like that. When you go into the combine, have interview with coach, they're always trying to trip you up and do different things like that. But you explain it to them, and, you know, they'll take it for what it is. And, you know, a lot of these guys are just trying to be healthy and trying to get, you know, as much money out of their legs as they can because I think the average is, what, about two and a half, one and a half, two years in the NFL. So, you know, get it when you can and be healthy as long as you can because if not, man, it's just – and when you're not healthy, they'll, they'll, they'll put you on the shelf and dry you out. Yeah, I think I, honestly, I think teams will probably commend the player if they're you know skipping out on a bowl game, you know the Idaho Potato Bowl, uh, like like a Leonard Fournette or Christian McCaffrey from last year, especially that running back position. Hey, well, you know you want to say the wear and tear and, and be even more uh, fresh for us when, when we draft you, then, then go for it. But if they're still in contention and they're still able to, uh, you know, they're still in the college football playoffs and they're still a possibility that they they could be in the national championship game and that national championship is still in reach and you decide to uh, skip out on one of those games, then like, I, then like you said, I, I think their, their love for the game will be questioned. Um, and, and, uh, you know, their desire for the game will be questioned as well. So yeah, definitely two different meanings and, and we'll probably have two different outlooks, uh, on how a, a scout or a GM will look at a player, 
Um, DJ, a lot of football talk this evening. We only have about 15, 14 minutes left into the show um, until it's over. And I do want to get some NBA talk. Tomorrow, Christmas Day, uh, we, we have a, a very, very fun matchup. The Cleveland Cavaliers taking on the Golden State Warriors. Uh, it's been the finals matchup uh, the last three years. Uh, the Warriors winning two of those three. Um, this is going to be a, a very fun game. The season has been very fun. I mean, seeing what LeBron James has been able to do this season at 32, he'll be 33 uh, on the 30th. Um, it's been really amazing. I mean, it kind of reminds me of what Tom Brady's kind of been able to do. And, and, you know, they just get better while they get older. Obviously, two totally different sports. LeBron, probably what he's doing is, is more impressive, uh, certainly uh, carrying more of the team than what Tom Brady has to do. But, uh, you know, they got off to a little bit of a slow start. And uh, now they're, 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 they're on fire. I believe they, they've won like 16 of the last 18 or so games. Um, I should probably have that stat ready for you. But, uh, anyways, uh, th- this is going to be a very good game. Uh, Steph Curry, I, I think he's still uh, questionable to play tomorrow. But, uh, regardless, they still have uh, the-, the Warriors do. Uh, Kevin Durant, uh, Clay Thompson, and you could go on and on with the talent they have uh, over there. I'm looking forward to this matchup. What about you? Uh, I am. Well, not really just the matchup itself, like the game, but just the Kevin Durant and the LeBron James matchup. Uh, and last year in the playoffs, Kevin Durant, even though LeBron is going to get his points, Kevin Durant, like, took it to LeBron, like, with LeBron on him. Um, he, he played really good. He played offense. He played defense at times. Kevin Durant seemed like a better player, which was kind of impressive. Um, so it's going to be an interesting game. I think both teams are still finding themselves. Like you said, I think Curry may be out. Draymond Green is just coming back from injury. Kevin Durant is who Kevin Durant is. Um, you know, Golden State still has, you know, a couple of different players off the bench. Cleveland has almost a new team. I haven't got to see Derrick Rose play, you know, much this year, but he, you know, I mean, it's, it's just exciting to see him just out there anyway because you know what he was when he was, you know, when he was the MVP of the league. So um, you also The guy's have, been wearing a suit more than he's worn an NBA uniform, my man. Yeah, well, but, I mean, that's just, it's just luck of the draw sometimes. It, it's but, unfortunate. I mean, talent, talent is talent, you know what I mean? So yeah. sometimes you can be the offensive lineman and sometimes you can be the point guard. You know, it happens like this sometimes. But um, it's going to be – I think it's going to be a good game. I think – Golden State, you know, have, you know, much bigger problems to worry about because they got to go through probably the Spurs or Houston or uh, those teams in the West because, I mean, it's it's much more competitive side. Now, Cleveland and then that whole series with Boston, I think is probably going to be an interesting one in having, you know, Kyrie Irving come back to Cleveland and that whole situation. And, you know, will will LeBron have to guard him? Because I don't think nobody else on Cleveland is going to be able to. Um, but this game is just it's just a good preview of, you know, what's going to happen. Um, Cleveland, like I said, got a new lot of new players, Wade, and, you know, how is that going to mix in and help them compete against Golden State? Because to me, if Golden State is playing really well and they're, and they're hitting all their cues and they're passing like they always do, it's almost impossible to beat them unless you can just hit shot for shot with them. And Cleveland doesn't have – don't have the players to, to do that. Um, so they – even with if Curry was out, I wouldn't be surprised if you know Golden State was to you know to blow him out. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, and I, I think 
for me at least, it just comes to depth. And uh, the Warriors for a few years now have had the most depth than any other team, in my opinion, in the league. And, of course, the two rings in the past three years, uh, three finals appearances have kind of proven that. Uh, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, of course, uh, third in the Eastern Conference at 24-9, and while the uh, Golden State Warriors are second behind the Houston uh, Rockets. Uh, Golden State is 26-7. and uh, It's going to be a really good matchup. I'm looking forward to it. Another one, uh, though, uh, is uh, the Philadelphia 76ers and the New York Knicks. I mean, uh, th- this isn't really a, a game for that, that you would want to be looking for uh, – for uh, you know playoff contention or, or anything like that. Although Philadelphia may have a, ch- a shot to sneak in in the Eastern Conference, but uh, the New York Knicks, man, I mean Michael Beasley has rewinded the clock. He's looking like he could be a player now, ten years later or whatever it's been. Uh, they have of course uh, Chris Porzingis as well, who got to a, f- a hot start this season, kind of falling off as of late. But uh, he's another very fun player to watch. While the Sixers, of course, have Joel Embiid, who's been uh, one of the stars this season, along with Ben Simmons, who uh, is uh, probably running away with the Rookie of the Year uh, 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 title. Um, so, so that that's going to be the first game, uh, 11 o'clock Central, 12 o'clock Eastern. Then uh, the, the the two o'clock game, we have the Cavs and Warriors, and then 5:30 uh, Eastern, we have Wizards Celtics. Uh, we got quite a few games. We also have Rockets and Thunder, which should be a really good one, DJ. I mean, what what do you think about OKC this season? They, they've been a little bit of a letdown with the big three that they have there with uh, Westbrook, Carmelo, and uh, Paul George. I do think that uh, they'll be able to still make it to the playoffs in a very tough Western Conference uh, division, but, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to get this thing together pretty quickly. Well, they just got to figure out how to play with each other. And I think the big thing is not all of them, because Paul George does his thing. He can play out the ball. He really himself is. But Camelo Anthony has played one way his whole career. He plays one-on-one. He holds the ball for a long time, which doesn't benefit anybody. I think he's a really good shooter, but he just got to learn how to spot up. Because you'll see him, he'll play in the Olympics or something and be really good and then get back to his regular team be really bad. But when he's in the Olympics, he's more of a spot-up shooter, moves around a little bit. Um, so they just got to figure out how to play with each other because you got essentially three isolation players playing at one time, which really kind of makes no sense uh, and, and when you really look at it. But if they can kind of figure out how to play together, which to this point they haven't, you know, haven't figured it out. Um, but they have the talent, but they just got to figure it out. And I think they'll figure it out. And if they make the playoffs, they'll be a tough team to put out. But I just think they just have it's just three isolation players, which doesn't benefit anybody. When you watch Golden State, um, it's not that their players are just so much better than everybody else's players. Because if they was on another team by themselves, they'll probably be a losing team. They just work well together. Like Draymond Green is like – glue, and then Clay Thompson knows what to do. Uh, Curry knows when and when not to do something. Kevin Durant switched his game up to know what he needs and not do. He plays more deep. So, like, they have a complete team, and you buy into that system. And for OKC, they just haven't, you know, bought into, you know, the particular system that they need to buy into because if if you're going to do a lot of one-on-one, it's going to be tougher shots. Uh, you probably gonna lose a lot of games, and that's why I'm excited about the Sixers. And Ben Sim- Ben Simmons is uh, impressive, man. Like six ten, you know, broad shoulders, can handle the ball, see the floor really well. You got him beat. 
Um, so if you have time, man, honestly, to watch a game, I would say watch the six like watch a young kid, you know, that that knows how to play basketball. It's not controlling the game because he's scoring 80 points, but he's controlling it because, you know, he's, he's getting up and down the floor and finding guys wide open. And he's doing it at 6'10". Um, and he's not as small as Kevin Durant. Like he, he's a built kid, man. It's it's impressive to watch. So if I if I was gonna watch anything, the Sixers, the Sixers game would be probably yeah, yeah. One. That's that's the first one, and uh, I agree with you. I mean, they're one of the more fun teams, arguably the most fun team to watch this season. Uh, the, the Philadelphia 76ers, that is. Right now they're 14 and 18. They got off, again, another team that's gotten off to a hot start. Now you're kind of starting to see, you know, it's a younger team. They're, they're going to go through their struggles. But uh, this is a team that I, I think could uh, certainly, uh, you know, in a weaker Eastern Conference division, uh, although they've uh, they, they've come up a little bit, teams are starting to step up. Uh, you got uh, New York Knicks, who they'll be playing tomorrow morning uh, at the eighth seed, uh, 17 and 15. Uh, the Pacers, I mean, Victor Oladipo, who, of course, uh, was acquired from the OKC Thunder for Paul George, has really stepped up big time over there. Um, and then uh, one more thing, uh, the night game, the, the Timberwolves at the Lakers, which uh, brings me to my last topic uh, of the show, DJ, and that is uh, were you able to see uh, Kobe Bryant? He had not one, but both of his jerseys retired by the Lakers, the number 8 and 24 mm. And uh, unfortunately, Ooh. man, I think we're gonna we're gonna need more than uh, just five minutes for this conversation. So I think we might have to just start this conversation tonight and maybe end it uh, at some point next week because uh, this is a conversation that, that that could probably last the full two hours, DJ. And that is, uh, who do you have as the goat in the NBA? You already know where I'm going. I'm going Michael Jordan. Um, you know, I, I've grown up watching his highlights. You know, it, it's been Michael Jordan or nothing. I will say LeBron. Very close uh, behind him as Kobe is, um, but but honestly, as of right now, I don't think there's anybody closer to Michael Jordan than uh, Kobe Bryant. Obviously, LeBron James and, and where he's at in his career and what he's still able to do has a lot left to to write and uh, you know uh, to to kind of show and prove throughout his, the rest of his career. But uh, Kobe Bryant, I think, is the closest thing we've seen uh, since Michael Jordan. Well, yeah. First of all, they retired both jerseys. You just can't retire both of them. It just didn't make sense to me, especially <laughs> with, like, the sexual assault thing when he was in number eight. I just like, oh, no, yeah, you can't do yeah. that, right? Like, you can't do them both. Um, even though I think he was, you know, a you know, really good player and, and did a lot, you know, for the Lakers, but it just wasn't just him because when he had Shaq, they were good. And then the year he won without Shaq, it was more of Pau Gasol and Andrew, uh, was it Andrew Bynum who actually really kind of yeah. took it over and, you know, um, and hey, if Ron so Artest didn't make make that last minute three or last second three, I don't know even if just we would have one Artest who kind of took over and you know were playing defense on Paul Pierce and all those guys. So it was it was a lot of other you know other players, but I mean he's really good. But both of them, I didn't you know get both jerseys. I mean he needed his jersey retired, but both of them, I didn't think so. Um, <laughs> but to be honest, it's hard to compare because you have. You have players in kind of different areas. Like Jordan was in the one area where it's like, like you can sit in the lane and just play defense. Like you can just foul me, and it was kind of fine. He played in more of a, to me, more of a tough area. Nowadays, if you you look at a cat wrong or you put a, a fingertip on him, it's an it's an and one. And for LeBron, it's like, well, I need my whole paw on him because he's bigger than everybody else. 
you know, is LeBron a great player? He is because I, I like the way he plays because he plays offense and he plays defense. You know what I mean? And he likes to pass the ball. Yeah. Like he he does everything on the basketball court. And they always like to say, well, you know, Jordan. I mean, uh, LeBron can guard each and every position. Well, not to me. I don't think those. I mean, you you're not guarding Shaq in the post, or you guarding um, somebody who's terrible at center. Because I probably can guard them. You know what I mean? So they say, well, he can do this and do that. So I think all these players can do a lot. Um, but I think when you look at the numbers, they're gonna try to give LeBron more credit. But I think as the game has evolved. The way that we set up the system, it made it easier for the offense. It's a three seconds on the defense. You know what I mean? It's like it's different stuff like that 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 that's affecting the game um, and affecting the way you kind of look at it. So it, it's kind of hard to say. I would take LeBron over Kobe uh, just because I just like what LeBron does. But Kobe is more of a Jordan mindset. Like at the end of the game, like give me the ball, and LeBron is like. You know what? Let Kyrie shoot the fadeaway on the corner to win the game. <laughs> well, DJ, I think this first show was a lot of success. It was a lot of fun. We're going to have to focus more on the NBA uh, next week. That that was a lot of fun there. And, uh, again, this was the, the debut show of the Chris and DJ show. I'm Chris Shanfell. He's DJ Moore. Uh, DJ, any any uh, final final thoughts, any last words before we end the show? No, nah, man, just go out there and, you know, be in the lineman, like you said, and catch passes, I guess, but the lineman. All right, well, once again, for DJ Moore, I'm Chris Shanafel. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed. We'll be back at it next week, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern talking all things uh, NFL, NBA, anything. If you guys want to ask DJ Moore or, or I a question, feel free to call on in, 917-889-2653. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, DJ. Hope you guys enjoy uh, oh, enjoyed oh, your oh. Uh, Christmas Eve, and uh, hope you enjoy your uh, Christmas tomorrow. And uh, I'll be talking to you next week, my man. All right, man. I'll go, go put some gifts together. <laughs> kids enjoy. Can see all right, man.